Sometimes things just this happen naturally, right? I mean, this wasn't really a planned thing too much. Uh, you know, just happened to scroll <laughs> through the old Twitter sphere and, uh, you know, happened to see a little link with uh, some D-Bro rankings in them. And I, what is this? Let me, take, let me take a gander. Let me take a peek. And so I did. And I started going down the rabbit hole and I started looking at this and I'm like, what idiot put these together? You know? <laughs> <laughs> There's one. There's, There's one. one. <laughs> And so I looked at him and I was like, D-Bro, we got to do a show. Okay. So I reached out to him. I was like, D-Bro, we're doing a show. Here we are. So we're going to have some debates over some of these rankings we you have. You make it uh, sound so much more official and professional than it actually was, Kev. The DMs got lit up and it's basically, hey, um, and, and I'll paraphrase here. Your rankings suck. Hey, you want to come on the show? Let's fight about them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, I try to keep it professional on here, but yeah, that's that's pretty much how it went. You, know? <laughs> you didn't use the word idiot or no other type of adjectives before it, so I mean, look, man, I feel like you've got you you've achieved a little bit of growth since our last episode, man. I, I, I'm proud of you. A little bit. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, we got a long show to head, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. But uh, oh, the wheels are going to come off. I'm just trying to give you praise right now. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So. <laughs> And, you know, joined once again by Cody. Happy to have him back. He got hit with the Rona in, in the house, you know, tore through the house. But, hey, he showed him what's up, you know. He, he kicked Rona to the curb, and he's back, back on the show. So happy to have him. And, again, D-Bro, you can find all of his work over at Fantasy Pros, kicking it over there this year. So, ha- you know, proud of you. Happy for that. Hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, we can get you on the DFS DJ Nation show once DFS season gets around, you know, with Maddie. Oh, yeah, baby. Uh, Missed you last year. So, anyways, let's just dive right in. Let's just let's just you know, no lube. Let's just go just go right in. Okay? So so much for the professionalism and growth. It's out the window already, man. Come on. I mean, we didn't even make five minutes. I mean, do, does anybody expect anything different? Come story on. of Kev's story of Kev's life. This is this is what you come here to see. This is the the. That kind of festive debates, man. We're gonna we're gonna get into it. I, I I'm ready for this. I'm stoked. Whoa, Walido, what's up, baby? Let's go. Walido's kicking in the chat as always. So let's just get started, okay? So I open I opened the rankings and I, I started peering through, and the first first one that jumped out at me was Austin Eckler, okay? And I was like, oh, that's a little bit interesting. Austin Eckler, you know, for most everybody is going top three, top four. I knew Cody would get a little fired up because Cody is, uh, you know, Austin Eckler stan. And, you know, D-Bro has him at RB10, while me, while me and Cody have him at RB4. Okay. 
I'm going to preface this by saying I think where you're going to go with this is that his touchdown rate is not going to be sustainable. He scored 20 touchdowns last year. I think he had a 7% touchdown rate last year, which is extremely high, uh, especially for somebody that in the past had never had the goal line opportunities. Though I will add into that that he also didn't have you know the head coach that he has now. So obviously this is, you know, so I think that's a little bit of a change. But everything else from this offense is exactly the same. The offensive line got even a little bit better this year with them investing even more in the offensive line. Uh, but with Austin Eckler, I just don't see a lot to really change with him. He's going to he's gonna get peppered with targets, and so that's something we love to see as well. And so I just don't – you know, RB10 seemed a little low for me. Okay, so I'll, I'll go ahead and explain myself. And these are the metrics. It, it's – Part of the touchdowns, but more so in the fact that I think Isaiah Spiller is going to factor into this backfield. Because with me dropping Austin Eckler, he's still an RB1, still a top 10 running back. But with me nudging him down the ranks, there if you check my ranks also, I mean, let me pull this up. I got Isaiah Spiller at, where is he sitting at? RB34. And the reason that I think is like... We have seen the Chargers up, and I know it's a different coaching staff. I'm not putting that on this coaching staff, but we've seen them try to work a tandem backfield in previous seasons. And I'm not even going to go as far back as Melvin Gordon, but even Joshua Kelly. And we didn't see it last year because Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree were dog shit. They were terrible. And so Austin Eckler had to, and let me, let me ask you this, guys. Do y'all think these metrics, outside of touchdowns and things like that, do you think that these are repeatable? Austin Eckler was ninth in snap share, 10th in opportunity share. He was second in the league in red zone touches. Are those metrics repeatable for Austin Eckler with a better running back and Isaiah Spiller that's going to factor? If, he, if, if what I think about this backfield comes to fruition, are those repeatable metrics for Austin Eckler? The red zone touches, I don't think so, but I also don't see them falling off dramatically either. And we've also already seen him be what a top five running back when he was in that basically what true 50 50 split with Melvin yep. Gordon. He was RB9 back. and RB6 uh, in the two previous uh, in 2020 and 2019. Um, so, I mean, that's that's about the range that I have him at um, looking at what he did previously. Like, I still think he's going to be an RB1. I still think he's going to get one massive shit ton of targets. I just think that Isaiah Spiller is going to factor into this backfield. He's going to steal some of the snaps. He's going to steal some of the work. We didn't see that previously, but this this is a Chargers team that we've seen Eckler banged up, and it hasn't been like tiny little sprains and small injuries. We've seen him be banged up, and we've seen him miss time. So for a Chargers team that legit and they do i i would be betting super bowl futures for the chargers have would continue all those things for a team that wants to be there at the end and austin eckler is part of the engine that makes this team run are they going to run him into the ground when they drafted another running back to factor into this backfield and and that's kind of where i lean that he's still going to be the massive like 1a in this backfield but i think spiller's going to factor in a whole lot I mean, I think Spiller will have a role. Like I, like I, whenever Spiller was drafted to the Chargers, like okay, he he's gonna matter a little bit more than probably people are gonna give him credit for because I do think he will have a role. But mm-hmm. I don't think that Austin. I mean, sixty-seven percent opportunity share isn't like some like it's not like that's Najee Harris level type of opportunity, right? And so I, I don't think he loses all that much of that opportunity share that he had last year. It, 
could he lose some of the goal line work, you know, red zone touches possibly? Uh, I think that is uh, in the range of possibility for him. But I just think that just it is there's not many running backs you're going to find that have a 15 percent target share in the offense. And and so for me, like there's in terms of like which running backs that I would ever take ahead of him, like I think like, you know, I I think, you know, obviously Jonathan Taylor, probably Christian McCaffrey are definitely on that list. But Najee, once you get past that, it's tough to I mean, I I think you can poke some holes in Najee. but you know, I but I get it. He's he's locked in. There, there's no debate whatsoever of his yeah. role in that offense. There's absolutely nothing behind him. Um, the question is, is you know, is Mitch Trubisky going to check down to him as much as you know, Big Big Ben did last year? Um, you know, some of those different things. If Mitch Trubisky is a little bit more mobile. It can run. Do some of those things change? But who knows? Maybe Kenny Pickett's the starting quarterback. I don't know. And so yes, uh, I think that's a that's a valid uh, one you could say, but. Past that, like I'm, there's no way I'm taking Derrick Henry uh, ahead of Austin Eckler, uh, Alvin Kamara. Uh, I'm not taking. Uh, I want Austin Eckler over Alvin Kamara in the offense. That that what that could look like there this year. Uh, Dalvin Cook, I have concerns over uh, because his efficiency started to drop last year. He's somebody that's always been hurt uh, every single year, and it's another year for him. His efficiency started to drop off a little bit last year as well, which you know kind of took a big hit for him. But obviously, he's still you know heavily involved. So I guess you could make a uh, case for Dalvin Cook. But you know a lot of these running backs, you know even Joe Mixon, like I like Joe Mixon. I have Joe Mixon right around where you do, but even him, like I can't mm-hmm. take Joe Mixon out of him because I don't know what this offense is going to look like for the Bengals. Are they going to throw the ball? Hell a lot more you know this year kind of what we saw over the second half of the Bengals last year where they really started to ramp it up and is Joe Mixon going to get the targets I don't know because you know some games he gets six targets other games he gets two and it's super frustrating because they don't have like another great running back there either but they, they just Samaj never see him as as a pass catcher which blows my mind because he's a great pass catcher out of the backfield. So with all that, like I think there's concerns with some of those running backs. But Austin Eckler just locked in and, and not just to boot. He's in one of the best offenses in the league with one of the best uh, with one of the best offensive lines in the league. You know, they also brought in Zion Johnson, who's likely going to solidify that right guard. That offensive that offensive line they're going to have this year is definitely going to be a top ten, if not a top five unit. So I mean, th- this I think it's just kind of wheels up for everybody. And they didn't add any other pass catchers here. That's like, oh man, okay, now I'm nervous about this guy who's going to get more. Uh, more opportunities could limit somewhat of what he does. And so I, it's just hard pressed to be able to uh, have Austin Eckler outside of a top four, top five running back. And, and unless we're talking about non-standard or standard uh, leagues. Yeah. I mean, and I think just, like I said, like I think our divide with it is that I think Isaiah Spiller is going to factor in a whole lot. Um, and with some of the other running backs, like I think you can make a case for Austin Eckler inside of that top four top five it just depends on what you what you see for all these running backs like i have derrick henry dalvin cook kamara mixon um over him and i have leonard fournette and james connor over him because i think that outside of like with austin eckler i mean right now i think fournette and james connor will be locked in kind of like in Najee's role like they're going to be locked in be like 70 80 percent snap players um, outside of, I, I don't think that outside of injuries, they're going to do anything funky with it. Like they had the opportunity when, I mean, look, when Chase Edmonds was out last year to factor in Eno Benjamin and no, I don't give two shits about Daryl Williams. Like people love Daryl Williams and I, I get it. Like you picked him up off the waiver wire. He was great for you last year. That doesn't make him an efficient back. Like he, 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 performed well in a few pa- receiving metrics, yards per route run, things of that ch- nature. 
James Conner wasn't dust either. So I think regardless, like outside of injury, Fournette and Conner, like you, to me, like if I was going to move Austin Eckler up, it's probably not higher than like RB eight ish. Um, Cause I like mixing a whole lot. I think the Bengals offense can still take another step. I mean, they, they were up and down all year. They didn't want to throw the damn ball. I think that for them, the opportunities are even a little bit more condensed than versus even the chargers. Um, because I mean, you got chase, you got Higgins and then Mixon's probably like fighting with them for opportunities in the red zone and the passing game and things like that. Like, I'm not worried about Hayden Hurst. I'm not worried about any of the running backs back there. Tyler Boyd is a distant fourth and he gets no red zone or end zone usage. So I, I feel pretty good about Mixon, um, as well as they're a team that, that upgraded their offensive line. I oh, mean, they're, sure. they're going to be much improved. Very, very, very good. Adding Lyle Collins, Alex Kappa, and Ted Karras. Like, yes, like that yep. offensive line. They 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 did uh, kind of what the Chiefs did, uh, you know, a year yep. a year prior, which is completely revamping that offensive line. I think that offensive line is a shot to be a probably top ten unit, maybe maybe low end top ten uh, for for the for the players that they added. So I mean, you love to see that because uh, Joe Burrow was just getting harassed last year. So yes, I mean the offensive line is definitely going to be a big factor, and it's also just going to help Joe Mixon as well to be more efficient as a running back, open up more lanes and stuff like that. So I don't hate Joe Mixon. I have Joe Mixon at five. So like this isn't you know yeah. I'm down on Joe Mixon by any means, but. Um, all right, so let's keep it moving a little bit because we got some other guys to get to here. Let's talk about DeAndre Swift. Now, I'm kind of on, yeah. on my own here. I have DeAndre Swift at RB5. Uh, you guys have him at RB12 and RB11. I get the the worry with him that, one, the injuries concerned. Uh, also, the other uh, weapons that they added in this offense. You know, Jameson Williams brought in DJ Chark. Uh, so is that going to hurt his target share a little bit? Who he last year he had a ridiculous eighteen point four percent target share out of that backfield, averaged about six targets per game. But the dude has just been an absolute baller whenever he's been on the field. Um, only played in thirteen games last year, but still averaged almost sixteen point one fantasy points per game, which is good for RB eight over that span. First in yards created per touch as well. I think there's a lot to like here. This offensive line is, uh, is is really good. I actually think this offense is going to take a step forward, which actually can help DeAndre Swift to be to, to get more red zone opportunities. And, you know, he still played 67% of the snaps last year, 57% of the opportunities. So I think there's some room for growth for the, on the opportunity side for him. He did only see 27 red zone touches, but we're also talking about a, a team that was absolutely abysmal, couldn't really move the ball that well. And so I think, like again, I think you could see that number go up as well. And so I just think DeAndre Swift, like this is the year, he kind of puts it all together and, and and where we start looking at him more like a locked in top five running back over the next few seasons for DeAndre Swift. And so I love DeAndre Swift. And so that's, I, I have him at five. I know you guys have him a little bit lower. What, what, what reason do you guys have for having, you know, a little bit lower, you guys still have him as RB one, you know, disrespecting mm -hmm. the man, but uh, you know, what reasons are you guys a little bit lower on him? Cody, you want to leave this one off? For me, I just don't know, even though the offense could be improved, I don't know how high his touchdown upside is. And I think his targets are going to start to take a little bit of hit as well. Um, you know, you're going to have TJ Hawkinson back healthy. Amonra St. Brown is at least going to be an established part of this offense. He's obviously not going to carry the target share that he had down the stretch last year. But they, obviously they added DJ Chark. You're going to have Jamison Williams at, at some point as well. Quintez Cephas should be back and healthy. So, I, I just have questions about his overall target share. And even with the the offense being improved, I just don't know how high that touchdown upside is given the other pieces that they've now added to the offense. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of – I'm, I'm in a similar spot. I mean, I think that 
the biggest thing with them adding Jamison Williams, DJ Chark uh, being added to this offense, are they going to be, especially we don't even know what Jamison Williams, like him starting the season, he could, he could be in the pup, he could start out full snaps, we don't know. Um, but with how we're projecting with everybody healthy and things like that right now, I mean, with DeAndre Swift, I just see it being a really, really hard bet to make that he is going to match an 18% target share this year, which put him second amongst all running backs. He was second in route participation. I think that both of those metrics probably fall if they have a fully healthy offense with Jamison Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown, TJ Hawkinson, Chark, um, all there. I think that this is going to be like, I, I don't disagree at all. I think that this, is, this offense is going to be massively better versus giving targets to Quintus Cephas and Khalif Raymond and things like that. But this could also lead Jared Goff to be able to spread the ball out to a lot of different guys um, in this offense. So I think that if you're looking at DeAndre Swift, like we could see his targets fall. Uh, I still think it's it's plausible he could get more red zone usage or, or at least in the sense of the Lions being the red zone more often. But where the ball goes once they get inside the red zone, I think is still up for, for debate. You know, they could easily use TJ Hawkinson. They could use all, any one of these players um, in those types of roles. Um, and also, like, I'm not... And I'm not... I'm going to bring up this name, and I don't think that he is going to massively factor, but I think... I will not be surprised if Craig Reynolds wins the RB2 job over Jamal Williams just based off of what he did last year. Because if you look at efficiency metrics, Reynolds was really damn good in the very limited opportunity that he got last year. And if he takes over the early down banger role and he does it better than Jamal Williams, because Jamal Williams, we know what we're getting. He can handle volume. He's a jag. He's not going to pop in any kind of elusivity metrics. He's not going to be efficient. If Reynolds takes over that RB2 role, maybe you see some of the early down role get siphoned off to him and, and it hurts DeAndre Swift. So there's just a lot of outs, both with the increased uh, amount of passing targets, because at the beginning of the season, guys, it was Swift and Jared Goff just checking down to him religiously. And I don't know if we see that come back this year with a lot more talent around him. And Jared Goff, down the stretch, he played a lot better. We saw small inklings of like the somewhat serviceable Jared Goff version from the Rams. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be great, but if you're looking at like, okay, do I have to force the ball to this guy, this guy? Do I have to check it down? Maybe we don't get as many checkdowns when he's got a shit ton of weapons around him. And he's just like, look, whoever's open, poof, you get the ball. You get the ball. You get the ball. And that might lead to DeAndre Swift not carrying a freaking 18% target share this year. I mean, I think it's possible. I mean, it's hard, it's hard, a little bit hard to judge because obviously he missed weeks, what, 13 through 16, I believe. Uh, yeah. And then he came yeah. back. He was a part-time player when he came back, too. Although we got all, I remember chasing that comment in DFS and I was like, wheels up. They said Swift is coming back to a full workload. The rosters and you're like, what the hell is this? He, it's the third quarter and he hasn't got a damn touch. What are we doing here? Like, so I remember that pain too. I'm not factoring that into my bias, but I do remember that pain too. Yeah. So 
I don't know. I, I just I just think with with everything aligned here, I just think that there's a. I, I don't think he loses all that much. Uh, you know, in terms of targets, I don't think he really loses all that much. Um, and so, and like I said, I, I think the red zone opportunities are going to be uh, much better this year for for where this offense stands. Um, I don't give a shit about DJ Chark and all the other guys. It's, it's really what <laughs> Jameson Williams do, do. Really, I mean, DJ Chark has been a one hit wonder, right? And I mean, yeah. I know he's gotten hurt, stuff like that. But like, I, I'm not really all that concerned, like w- with that part of it. So really, it's like TJ Hawkinson, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and then what can Jameson Williams do? And I love Jameson Williams. I was pissed oh, I love Jameson Williams went, that they they went up and brought him, and, and that he's there. But you know, we'll see. You know where he stands and is he ready to go this year you know mm-hmm. you know is he somebody uh that, that takes till the second half to really get going because of the injury that he's coming off of and so i think there's still gonna be a lot of targets there for uh, deandre swift so um you know like i said and i, I think it's possible because I mean, there's especially in that first half of the year i mean he, he was getting a ton of 70 plus percent opportunity or 70 plus percent snap shares in, in games and really what would brought it down just a little bit was those last couple of games where uh he missed and then the 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 final two where they pretty much just uh drug him across the finish line you know for the last couple of weeks of the season so um i think we could be looking for more opportunity here for deandre swift as well overall so, so kev i'm so, curious but, about something i want to see like i'm what, what do you two guys think about his early down roll like i talked about reynolds maybe eating into that but like with swift last year and that's i guess that's part of my struggles with kind of projecting DeAndre Swift into this season because you saw them limit him for most of the season. Like he got 11 carries, 8, 14. He lived in like the low teens range. And then they went out and they fed him the damn ball versus Pittsburgh for 33 times. And of course, poof, then he gets hurt like a week or two later. Um, do, do we see his early down roll going up to say the... 15 to 17 range or do y'all think he's gonna be capped in a committee in the sense of like he's gonna still hang in this 8 to 14 carry range i i view, i view deandre swift like a aaron jones type player right jamal charles type okay. player like somebody he doesn't need he's never probably going to get 20 plus carries a game this is not his role it's not what he's going to do and i don't think he mm-hmm. needs it He's a he's an efficient okay. running back, uh, you know, great pass catcher. So I think he's somebody that can live in the thirteen to fifteen touch or uh, carries per game and and still be excellent because I think he's still going to see five plus targets on most weeks. And so you know, if you look at his numbers from last year, that's kind of what you see. I mean, he didn't have he only had two weeks where he had double digit targets. Other than that, it was a lot of fives and sixes in there that were in terms of targets that he was seeing. And uh, so some of that, you know is baked in and look what he was able to do on limited touches, you know? And so even if it rises a little bit, I think, but like I said, I think you're probably looking at 13 to 15 carries per game, which is totally fine in PPR formats. Uh, I don't care about that. I care about the, the, the targets. We know, well, uh, you know, that, uh, or, you know, a reception, you know, is worth double than, uh, or what is it? Two or three times more than what a carry costs. Like, yeah, I think uh, 2.4, 2.5, somewhere in there. Yeah. So, so that, that's what I'm looking for. Like, I, I, that's all I care about. And, and, you know, these things, that's why, like, for me, like, yes, I, I want him to have opportunities as a runner as well, but he doesn't need 20 plus touch, carries a game to be able to get there. And, and that's what I think some people miss the boat on. Yeah, I guess yeah, I that's, if the targets go down, I wonder if he gets the early down work or the red zone work to sit here and kind of supplement that, 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 that's, I guess we're trying to look at and pigeonhole kind of where my struggle is on seeing a top five ceiling for him or top three, what have you and stuff, is he going to get the early down work or what's the target share work look like? And what does the red zone work look like? Um, 
I mean, look, I easily could be too low on him. He could be this year's Austin Eckler um, and what he does. And I, I could see that in the range of outcomes for him. But I also see the other side of it. And then he's not top three, top five. He's he's consistently in like RB10 to 12 range. Yeah, Kev, Kev, I know you said you're not worried about DJ Chark, but at least the Lions have bodies this year, which is something they did not have yep. last year. So that's I, I'm with Debra. I'm really curious to see how the how the the target split ends up working out. But the next one we got to get to. I, I'm glad that I'm kind of like perfectly in the middle between you two, <laughs> Javante Williams. Kev, <laughs> you have him at RB10. For the brand, I have him at fourteen. Debro has him all the way down at seventeen. I'm all just going to kick down. back. Uh, I'm going to set a timer for about a half hour, and I will be back. <laughs> so, <laughs> you guys go ahead. I'm going to I'm going to catch a little snooze, and then I'll I'll be back with you uh, here. Shortly. All right, Kev, what? do you want to lead this off, or do you, or you want me to give my case, and then you tell me I'm dumb? All right. You know, I've started the last two, so go ahead. <laughs> All right, fine. All right, so my thing with, with it, look, this is no shade. Kev knows I love Javante Williams. I absolutely love Javante Williams. Um, my, okay, thank you, Walido. My problem with it is I do not think that Melvin Gordon is total dust. You look at his elusivity metrics, he was still a really damn good running back last year. Um, I hate it with every fiber of my being that the Denver Broncos brought him back. Um, I, I, I don't know where consensus lies on Javante Williams. Maybe I'm high. Maybe I'm with it. Maybe I'm below it. But it's hard for me to see unless they absolutely give him the backfield or he has 70 plus percent of the work. Because last year you're looking at he's 31st in, in snap share. He's 31st in opportunity share. Uh, they split red zone work almost down the middle. And so for all of that, it's hard for me to rank him. Like, I, and, and I'm not going to say like I have him aggressively ranked, but like I think like somewhere in the RB2 range. It's hard for me to put him up in the RB1 range as much as I love Javante Williams. And I love the man. I really, really, really do. But it's really difficult for me to put him up there inside of that top t top 12 when we have other running backs, because look, I know Saquon Barkley was not great last year. That offensive line is going to be so much better. So is the offensive scheme. If he's somewhat healthy, because he was not healthy, I think pretty much the entire damn season. He came back too early. We saw him limited. Um, but a lot of the other players that I have above Javante, I mean, you could look after DeAndre Swift. I think you could start making a case for him, maybe at RB 13, him versus like Cam Akers, but I think Cam Akers could absolutely take over the backfield. I'm not worried about Daryl Henderson. I think that the efficiency last year, we could poke all the holes we want to talk about in that, but the other side for Cam Akers is that he came back from an Achilles injury. What do we see with the full offseason, and he's not rehabbing, but he's strengthening and he's working on speed work and all these other types of things. Um, him, Nick Chubb, as long as he gets the work, he'll be top 12, top 15, um, because he's just he's Jonathan Taylor. He just doesn't get as many targets. Um, Brees Hall, David Montgomery, maybe I need to move him up above David Montgomery, but with Montgomery, they don't have any freaking receivers outside of Mooney and Komet. I think that his target share is going to be pretty damn high this year. So he's going to get a crap ton of checkdowns and stuff, especially looking at how, 
uh, Green Bay and Indy and a lot of the other influences that are now in Chicago are going to run that offense. Um, I, look, I think that you can make a case for Javante if we really believe that he takes over the backfield, starting maybe at RB13, because I can't put him above Swift. I can't put him above Barkley or Eckler or somebody like that. It's hard for me to make a case when Melvin Gordon, if Melvin Gordon was total dust, I could make a really, really good case and say, look, like, I don't, I don't give a crap. I don't give a crap about Melvin Gordon, but the fact of he's still, he's old as shit and it doesn't matter because the man keeps producing and he pops in a lot of different, um, lucidity metrics, even last year. So it's hard for me to see like as good as Javante is if Melvin Gordon, unless like he hits the, the age wall, it's hard for me to see him getting a 70% workload and in this backfield, as much as I love him, because I, I, we keep waiting for Melvin Gordon to fall off, and then he doesn't. Like, last year, the man is 7th in evaded tackles, ninth in juke rate. He's top 20 in yards created. I mean, it's hard for me to just snub my nose at all of that. All right, Kev, how am I going to eat it? All right. So first off, uh, I'm officially I'm officially revoking your Javante Williams card. You're not allowed to have it. Okay. Don't right. do it. I love that man. Don't take that card away from me. I need that for the clubs. Listen, listen. Here's here's the things that people need to take into consideration when it comes to Melvin Gordon. I'm not saying that Melvin Gordon is dust either. Like it, it's hard to deny. He had 900 rushing yards last year, 10 touchdowns, right? No. Uh, he was not great, you know, on a per touch basis in terms of yards created per touch. Twenty sixth. I mean, it's not terrible, but it's not great either. He was terrible in yards per route run. I mean, just fucking terrible in yards per route run, which is whatever, right? Compared to Javante, who was seventeenth in yards per route run, and you know, like I said, second in avoided tackles per attempt, and uh, as well as uh, seventh in yards created as well. Obviously, just way more uh, efficient, right? I think that. Listen. One, we have to remember, this is a new coaching staff. This isn't the coaching staff from last year. This isn't the team from last year. I don't give a shit about what happened last year, okay, when it comes to this, when it comes to Melvin Gordon, right? Like, they waited until the absolute last minute to be able to sign him. Like, Mm -hmm. anybody could have signed him. Nobody did. He went to Baltimore. Baltimore's like, nah, we're good, bro. You know, and everywhere else. It's not like he signed for a big contract either. It's like, what, like $1.25 or something, so, you know, something very small. You know, so, so I, I don't really care about the rest of that. Yes, Melvin Gordon is going to be involved in the offense, but people are overvaluing how much he's going to be involved. People are treating him like it's going to be a 50-50 split again. It's not. I would be absolutely floored if it was a 50-50 split. I think it's much closer now. This is the second year in the offense. They didn't invest the draft capital, trading up to get him to to and everything that he showed last year. Without Melvin Gordon, you know, I I, I mean, the, the dude balled. Yes, it's one game, but we know that that's what he has in the range of opportunities, right? And so I think people are overvaluing how much Javante wins. And if you go back and look at Nathaniel Hackett's history with, with running backs, Outside of really mm-hmm. kind of last year with him and uh, with with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, but you have to remember Aaron Jones last year got banged up. Outside of that, it's pretty much always been he's pretty much always had a running back that's more of the lead back, right? Mm-hmm. And and so, I mean, you go back uh, a long ways. Like Aaron Jones was typically a guy that was getting 65, 60, about right, right around 65 percent opportunity share, and that's Aaron Jones, right? Uh, but he always has had somebody else, right? Because even then, you had Jamal Williams, AJ Dillon's rookie year, and with Jamal or with Jamal Williams. But 
This is Javante Williams' backfield this year. But this is what I'm actually enjoying because his ADP is falling, and people are not going to take him where he should, and so you're going to be able to get him at a value. 100%. It's not going to take much for Javante Williams. He was already last year, what, what was he, like 13th, 14th in fantasy points per game last year, and when he was only getting just over 50% of the opportunities from this backfield. And so it's not going to take much for to push him up into that range, right? And so I think, honestly, I think he lives somewhere in that 65% opportunity share range, which isn't crazy because there's not many running backs that just get 70-plus opportunity, you know, in terms of a backfield, right? It's very small list. There's so many running backs that are in, that are in committees. And if they were to sign anybody else, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But because they brought back the guy that he split 50-50 touches with last year, everybody is looking at this like, oh, it's a 50-50 split. It's going to happen again. Oh, this sucks. Like, I don't care. They waited till the last possible minute to bring this guy in. It, it, it would be totally different if day one of free agency, they signed Melvin Gordon. It's like, oh, damn, okay, they still love this guy. They waited until the last second, like, okay, nobody else is going to sign you, bro. I guess we'll bring you back, right? They didn't draft anybody else. There's nobody else there. Melvin or Javante Williams is clearly the better running back between the two of them. Efficiency wise, he proved it last year. There's no way that this is a 50 50 split. I definitely think it's going to be somewhere like the 65 35 range. That's where I see it lying. And people are overvaluing Melvin Gordon, and it's a problem. But I also enjoy it because it's just going to mean I can get him a little bit cheaper. So, I mean, looking back, and you talked about Hackett, not even looking back to last year, because I, I know Aaron Jones was was banged up and stuff like that. And we could talk about A.J. Dillon siphoning off red zone work the last four weeks or so. Like, he was their red zone back. He, he, he basically went toe-to-toe with Aaron Jones. But looking back at 2019, 2020 with Hackett, I mean, look, Aaron Jones is 18th in opportunity share. He was... 18th again in opportunity share. So you're looking at like 60%, 62%. The thing that helped Aaron Jones, and and I guess the question I want to throw back to you, Kev, is that you're looking at, and I, I think Javante Williams is a good or better receiving back than people give him credit. I thought that when he was coming out. I still think that now. I guess here's my question, man. Aaron Jones was also in those two seasons, which also helped him. He was fifth in target share. He was 15th in target share. He saw 12.6 and 14% um, over those two seasons. Do you think that Russell Wilson is going to check down enough that Javante Williams can get the extra bump? If, if Melvin Gordon eats into his work, let's just say 40% of the opportunities, okay? Let's, let's put him in the Aaron Jones role and stuff like that. Is he going to get the Aaron Jones type of targets um, considering it's not Aaron Rodgers, it's Russell Wilson. Do you see him getting that that much of a share of the passing game? One thing I would push back on is that I don't know how like like what when in Seattle, what like great pass catching running backs did they have? Like it's kind of the That's same fair. narrative as like the, the tight ends, right? Like, <clears throat> oh Aaron, Aaron Russell Wilson is a pass to his tight ends. Like he fucking never had one. Like they, they brought in Oh yeah, there's tons of noise and, and all that. Like it know, comes down to talent stuff, right? and things like that. I I don't I don't disagree. Right. And and, and so but that's not the case. Again, if you look at Danny Hackett, he, he typically utilizes running backs mm-hmm. a lot of the backfield as pass catchers. And so I'm not as concerned about that, uh, yeah. about that argument. But also, this offense is going to be dramatically better than it was last year. Dramatically better than it was last year, right? Like, this offense was terrible last year with Teddy Bridgewater and Drew fucking Locke, right? And so... Again, another factor that we're not really factoring in for, for this year that how much better this offense is going to be uh, for the for this team. And so 
get listen last year he had a, what was it about a 10% yeah 10.2% target share for Javante Williams um you're not asking a ton for him to get up to, uh, you know how much more can he can he do to get up to that range again he's a much better pass catcher than Melvin Gordon is I think at this point in, in their careers and so yes I, I I think he can get somewhere close to that but I also think he's not Aaron Jones and the fact that he's a much bigger running back than Aaron Jones is like he's not you know Aaron Jones is on the smaller side somebody that you wouldn't expect that could handle a full workload Javante Williams can handle a full workload in a backfield and so that's my point with him. It's just, it's just everybody. This, the moment that Melvin Gordon signed, I was like, yes, this is amazing. <clears throat> Everybody's gonna knock Javante Williams because of Melvin Gordon, all because of what happened last year. Even though this this year is nothing what last year was, different offense, different quarterback. Like, there's just so many things that are different now. But everybody's treating it like last year, and it's not last year. It, it, everything's different now. And so, could I be wrong? Could it be more of a split? Yes, but it just wouldn't make any sense for them to do so with, with, with Melvin Gordon. It w- there's there's n- nothing there. And yes, like I said, with Melvin Gordon, he was okay in terms of efficiency wise. But you know, if if we're taking away the volume number stats and look at you know on a per touch basis, he was not anywhere close as good as Javante Williams was. So, so here here's the other factor, Kev. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I thought you were done, man. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was. I, that was the last thing. So. The other factor that, I, that that I'm kind of curious about, do we see, and this comes back to the checkdowns, okay? You know that Aaron Rodgers, he was probably going to check down. He'd rather throw the ball than run the name ball, okay? That's fine. But running quarterbacks, we don't see as many checkdowns. I know that Russell Wilson's getting older. I know he's, he's what, 34 um, right now at 33-34. We saw his rushing yards drop off a freaking table last year. I mean, he, at 14 starts, he, he got 183 on the ground. So here, here's the second part of that. Do you see Russ running like a healthy Russell Wilson, happy Russell Wilson, better offense with Russell Wilson? Do you see this trend of we saw last year with Russell Wilson, his rushing continue to decline or to kind of stay in that range? Or does he get back in that three to 500 range in rushing yards? Because if he's taking off running... He's not going to be checking it down nearly as much. And I think that that could be a factor too with Hackett and saying like, look, let's get you back on the move. Let's, let's give, this is going to help us create explosive plays down the field. So let's get you on boots. Let's get you out. Let's let you run. Let's let you just play and do the Russell Wilson damn thing. And if his rushing yards come back up and I know, like I said, he's aging and we saw it fall, but if he gets back in that three to 500 rushing yard range, I think it's going to hurt the target volume overall for just the running backs. I think he could run a little bit more than what he did last year, but I don't, I wouldn't expect it to be something dramatic either. Okay. Um, I, I don't think they need to. I, I don't think they want him to. I mean, again, he's he is getting older. Like, do you really want to risk him getting hurt at this stage of his career, especially after everything they just gave up for him? And in a position that they're in, the window they're in right now, because it is a short window that, that that really hit them and the Raiders put themselves into of trading oh, yeah. for all these guys, giving up all this stuff. If they don't do it in the next couple of years, it's gonna look you're gonna look back on it and see that it was a bust or it, it was not the best move for them to make. But regardless of that, so is it possible? Sure, uh, you know, I mean, he's just a year removed. The year before that, the prior year before that, he did rush for 500 yards, so it, it is possible. But I just don't. I don't think it's gonna. I think it's probably more in the two to 300 yard range, which still hurts a little bit. Um, but I, I don't think it's a, as dramatic as it was uh, in years past because, you know, in 2020 at 500, 2019, he had 342. So, you know, we'll, we'll see on that. But 
Anyways, that, that's where I come up with Javante. That's why I I originally had Javante at RB4 uh, prior to – Oh, I had him top five without Melvin yeah. Gordon back there and stuff. And like, so I did move him down. Yeah. Like, I didn't keep him right where he was at. I, yeah. I, I, I am expecting – obviously, Melvin Gordon's going to have some factor into this, but I moved him down to RB10. And that's yeah, I'm, I moved him down to redraft. I didn't touch him in Dynasty. Like, I kept him, like, he's firmly planted inside the top five running backs in Dynasty. I didn't touch him there, but I did move him down to redraft for all the reasons we kind of alluded to here. Now, I, is it worth taking a stance on Javante Williams and, say, best ball and things like that? Yeah, I could see taking the, taking the, the leap there more because he has that league-winning type of upside if he does get all this work and stuff. Um, that's probably if I'm going to make a small move over him or I'm going to push him up at all. Um, that's more the format that I see myself doing it. But I, I think there are some concerns here. I get where you're coming from, Kev. Like, you know, I love Javante. I absolutely love his talent. Um, I want him to get all the damn work. I just see a few more holes in the possibilities for him. One with Russ running the, the check downs and plus the specter of Melvin Gordon still there. Yeah, so... We'll see on that one. We'll table this one. We'll see how it comes out because we uh, got yep. some other guys to get to. But and let's let's well this next one. I don't think it's going to take very long. But you know, Aaron Jones. So you have him, I believe, at RB nineteen. Uh, mm-hmm. We have him at RB thirteen. It's pretty simple for me. I you know it, it's not even so much of uh, you know the the what the sevens game split with that with and with that or without Devontae Adams. You know the massive target share he sees, but it it is going to be tough for him not to see a massive target share in this offense, right? They don't really have anybody else. I mean, yes, Christian Watson's there, but I don't know how big of a factor he's going to be. But they didn't really bring anybody else in. I guess Sammy Watkins. Yeah, <laughs> slamming Sammy is still there. You we know, can't count it. Sammy Watkins, okay? He gets cold in Green Bay, and the Lizard King is going to go into hibernation, okay? Just we'll, we'll throw that out there. Yeah, and so, for, from, but other than that, though, you know, I, I mean, like, I think there's, we're talking, we could be talking about, you know, a 18-plus percent target share for, for Aaron Jones. Like, it's not out of the range of possibility. He's still going to get come in and get his probably 12, 13 carries a game as well, you know, um, but, you know, obviously Jamal Williams is going to be – or Jamal Williams. Uh, A.J. Dillon is going to still be a factor here in this offense as well. But I just think with all this pass-catching work, like he's looking very similar, you know, with a, obviously a much better quarterback and not as much even in his way as DeAndre Swift. So my problem with Aaron Jones is how much higher does the freaking target share go? I mean, last year he was 10th. The year before that, he was 5th. And just because Devontae Adams is not there, like – Look, Devontae Adams was the end-all, be-all of of everything for Green Bay's offense. He was the target hog and stuff like that. What I could see for Aaron Jones, and the reason why I have him lower, is I think that A.J. Dillon is going to factor into this backfield. Like, he is going to be a part of it. We saw that last year. And I'm not even saying, like, we saw down the, the, the stretch where A.J. Dillon was their red zone back. Hell, he was competing. Him and Aaron Jones were running like basically the same amount of routes, except AJ Dillon got all the red zone work and he outcarried him as well. I don't think that that's going to happen this year. But my question is is that like how much higher can we get Aaron Jones's freaking target share? It's not like he's going from a 9% to like 17 well 9% to 15, 16, things of that nature. We've seen previous seasons where Aaron Jones has gotten a 14% target share. I mean, going back to 2020. And I'm not saying that, like, he's not a good receiving back. He is. 
but he's not an elite receiving back in, in the sense of like if you go back and you look at his yards per out run last year 15th good not great the year before that 11th good not amazing 12th and i mean they're good marks not going to shade aaron jones in that nature but if we don't see all of this target share get put on Aaron Jones's plate and they take Devontae's share and they say, look, we're just going to spread it out to everybody. We have Alan Lazar. We have Christian Watson. We have Robert Tunyon back. If all of those guys are there, Aaron Rodgers just says, look, like I'm not going to hone in on one guy. That's fine. A.J. Dillon can also get work in the passing game. Like, I, to be honest, I was really surprised how good he was as a receiver. Didn't I never saw that coming in his game. And it's not just to say like, oh, he didn't catch passes in college. Like everybody points to volume stats for guys in college and say like, well, you know, they, they got 20 receptions every year in college. They're going to be a good receiving back. And people say like, okay, well, Javante Williams is not a good receiving back. And I'm like, you're absolutely brain dead if you think that. But uh, I never saw A.J. Dillon being that good of a receiving back. So seeing that he crested two yards per route run last year, even in a small sample size, was impressive to me. So I think if we do see the target share bump, I don't know that Aaron Jones just walks into all of it. I think that Devontae's target share could be liquidated out to a bunch of wide receivers. And... The tight end position, considering that they're going to get Tunyon back, he is a massive upgrade over Deguara and Mercedes Lewis' ass. Who needs to just he needs to just go retirement. Like that, he just needs to go retire. Just go sit on the couch, dude. It's all good. I just don't know if Aaron Jones. It all gets put on his plate. I see it getting liquidated out, and I see AJ Dillon also factoring into the target share as well. Well, one, I mean, I, I don't think he's going to get all of Devontae Adams' target share because, I mean... Yeah, yeah, I mean, but how high do you see it going, Kev? Like, do you see him getting up into the Austin Eckler or... Or not even that. Do you see him getting up yeah, into, like, that, that well, 18% like DeAndre Swift got? We have to remember, too, though, like, they, they are more than willing to use him, like, as a wide receiver. Like, they did it last year. You know, they will send him deep. Uh, you know, I mean, he is a good uh, pass-catching running back. Like he is a little bit different than some of these other backs. So, you know, a lot of these running backs, they're, they're just getting dump offs. You know, they're not getting designed pass plays for them, you know, out there running routes, you know, and stuff like that. Right. Um, and, and so, yes, I, I do think so. Like they are devoid of, of talent that they can depend on. And we have to remember Aaron Rodgers, if Christian Watson is dropping a bunch of balls and all this stuff, Christian Watson's ass is going to be sitting on the bench. Like that's how Aaron Rodgers rolls. Like he will tell you to go sit the fuck down. Like if, if he is not, you know, happy with you. Like we've seen it time and time again. And so if he doesn't, you know, so there's a lot of factors here. Like I don't know who's going to get the target. To be honest, yes, I think it, there's a good chance that it's Alan Lazard because his familiarity with the offense, his you know, yeah. his, his chemistry with at least I like for Lazard this a one lot. year for year one. I think that's kind of where where we come in on some of this <clears> stuff. And so. Yes, I think it's well with the range of possibility that, that we could be looking at at the end of this year that Aaron Jones ends up getting, you know, 80, 80, 85, maybe even 90 targets this year. It's definitely in the range of possibilities for him, uh, for them to utilize him more. And, you know, I think we can start seeing more of, you know, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones on the field at the same time. Like, they're not a team that has a ton of, uh, ton of weapons right now. And so they're going to have to get creative with the way that way they utilize these guys. And like I said, Aaron Jones has proven to be able to be more than just a, you know, go out. I'm going to, I'm going to check it down to you running back. And so, and you know, the efficiency metrics for him, you know, he, the biggest question 
I think on some of this stuff too, obviously his, his age, he is getting up there. He's 27. He's going to be mm-hmm. almost 28 by the end of this year, but the efficiency is still there. I mean, he was 11th uh, in yards per touch last year, ninth in yards created per touch. You know, we already mentioned 15th in yards per run. So he is still just as efficient as he's always been. That's kind of what, it, what he's been. Um, so, you know, to me, I just think that the target volume is not going anywhere and it's probably going to get higher than it was last year. And so, so that's, that's why I like about him. Here's, here's my other question. Do we see a less efficient? Because here's here's the other thing I kind of baked into a little bit of Aaron Jones's projection is the offense as a whole. Do we see Green Bay be as efficient as an offense as they have been with Devontae Adams spearheading the, the the passing attack? As good as Devontae Adams has been and their ability to move the ball, is this an offense? Because last year, they were fifth in red zone scoring attempts per game. If they drop, even push them down to, to 10th, 10th or 12th, and they drop hell if they drop to a middle of the pack team as far as like how often they are in the red zone with scoring opportunities and this offense takes a little bit of a hit as far as how efficient they are and how much scoring opportunities they have does that also hurt your Aaron Jones projection uh yeah I mean I I, I think it has to a little bit right like if this offense mm-hmm. isn't as explosive isn't as good as, as what we've seen in your past and I think that, that that's in the range of possibilities but I mean they still have Aaron Rodgers there I mean they still have one of that's the best fair. quarterbacks in the league and so you know we've seen them produce and be able to score still be a you know a high-powered offense without Devontae Adams when Devontae Adams is this time when he's suspended so I mean some of those things are you know I think will work themselves out a little bit here with this offense and so you know we'll see uh, they're still in a pretty bad division as well. So, you know, they're going to get to still place the Vikings, you know, two times a year who are uh, average at best right now. The the Bears are in shambles. I don't know what the fuck they're doing over there. The Lions are getting better. We have talked about that. But they're still not going to be a team that, like, oh, man, you know, the, the Packers aren't going to be able to get past the Lions this year. Like, that's not going to be a thing either. And and so, you know, they're still in a really bad division. So I think there's still a lot. And let's be honest, the NFC as a whole is not very good. I think there's, there's, there's a few teams yeah. that we can look at. But the rest of the NFC, I mean, all the talent – is is going to the you know the AFC right now so you know we'll see on that but um so I you know I, I think you know that's that was a pretty good discussion I think the next one let's jump over to wide receivers but what I do want to uh, this one is Cody's been a little quiet listen me and Cody have had this debate now I want Cody and Debro to have this debate okay <laughs> listen me and you Debro are on the same boat here uh, in terms of the Denver wide receivers right I am higher on Cortland Sutton mm-hmm. I am much lower on Jerry Judy. I have, um, I have Cortland Sutton at 17. Uh, I have Judy at 32. You have uh, Sutton at 14, Judy at 27. Cody has Sutton at 23 and Judy at 13. So he is much higher on Jerry Judy than what we are. But, Cody, floor is yours. Let's talk. You know, we, we've talked about it. Now you and you and Bro can talk this thing out with these two wide receivers. Give me, give me the scenario, man. I got, I got to hear this case because I have a hard, hard time seeing it. So for me, with Judy is, you're looking at some. I, I can't, I don't have the, the the number off the top of my head, but I think maybe second target separation. It's like top five for sure. I, I think last year with quarterbacks that couldn't get him the ball. Now you're talking about Russell Wilson, who's been one of the most efficient uh, quarterbacks we've seen in quite some time. One of the best deep ball throwers. And now you're going to have somebody who has the the speed, the athleticism, and the the route running prowess 
of Jerry Judy. Uh, I, I don't hate Cortland Sutton by any means. I, I, I think some of my pushback has, uh, you know, stubbornly come whenever people have been talking about him as, you know, ranking him as a top 10 guy the, the past couple of years and just kind of being, being stubborn and not, not moving off of that. But yeah, man, for me, I, I just see, you know, kind of Tyler Lockett ish type of, you know, a, a similar type of game and not, not to do that because I, I, I absolutely hated when people started doing, oh, he's Tyler Lockett and Carl Sons, DK Metcalf. I, I hated that. And it was the first thing that yeah. everybody did on Twitter whenever that first came out. But I think they're like, their games are similar, right? The ability to get downfield, <clears throat> route running, all of that. So I, I just see that as being more of a Russell Wilson type of guy than, and, and obviously, again, Russ Wilson, super efficient, very accurate, but I just see a guy that can get open like Judy being more of a Russell Wilson type guy than somebody like Cortland Sutton, who is a, a, a above the rim back shoulder. And he can like, Russ is absolutely going to be able to do that and hit him in those instances. But I think Judy is going to be the one who is breaking the bigger plays. And that's, that's just kind of how I see that working out. Well, so <sighs> I see it the opposite way, and I see that Nathaniel Hackett's going to walk in here and he's going to say, all right, Cortland Sutton was sixth in the NFL in deep targets last year. He had shit quarterback play and nobody got hit him deep. Okay? Let's just put you back in the deep role and let you win. And I think that the parallels to DK Metcalf are bad, except for the fact that if you look at how they win... There's some credence there in the sense that DK Metcalf is is a freaking baller versus man coverage. Oh, look at that. Routes versus man. Cortland Sutton, 13th. He's approved that he can win versus man coverage. And the thing that I think that we, we've kind of missed, at least in, in the fantasy industry, about Cortland Sutton is that kind of like with Cooper Cup last year, and I, I am not putting Sutton on the Cooper Cup type of trajectory just breaking the model but we've seen we saw cooper cup before he went god mode last year he was extremely efficient extremely damn good and then we saw him take a small dip and then everybody gravitated to robert woods and said oh he's gonna be better than cooper cup i feel like we're doing that with Cortland sutton and jerry judy in the sense that last year Sutton was coming off an ACL. We do not see guys just come off of ACLs and hit the ground running and go back to being their absolute productive selves as they were previously. If you go back in time to when Sutton broke out with the shit can that is Drew Locke, he was top 10, top 10 in yards per route run. He was on his way to becoming one of the like elite receivers in the NFL. All of his metrics screamed this. Then he got hurt. Then he had to play through bad quarterbacks last year and was coming off an ACL. Now we get him two years post ACL and he gets a quarterback upgrade. And he was the deep guy last year. And he gets the upgrade on the deep ball prowess, just like you talked about, Cody. If he owns the deep role, just like he does last year, and the metrics come back to what he was prior to the injury, I. I just see him absolutely taking off and revisiting that type of efficiency that we saw him flash 
with horrible quarterback play, except he has a good quarterback now. And we haven't seen that type of efficiency in Jerry Judy's career. Like, if you look at his yards per route run and things, like, he's not been good. And so I, I think that we see the re- Cortland Sutton just go back to the old stomping grounds. And I think the quarterback play is going to help himself a lot with Cortland Sutton. So that's just, we see it the opposite way, man. Like, I, I think that Sutton is that dude. I think that he showed us that he's that dude, and we still haven't seen that for Jerry Judy. So me projecting Jerry Judy being the number one in this offense is harder for me to see than seeing Cortland Sutton just go back to what we've already seen him do. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I I get all that. I mean, I like I said, I have both these guys as wide receiver twos, both, and both of you have Judy outside of wide receiver twos. So okay. I definitely think it's going to be enough for them to eat. That's going to be – man, that offense is going to be so fun to watch. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't I don't have anything else to uh, – that's pretty much Fargo. We, we've had this discussion uh, plenty of times. So uh, let's keep moving. Let's, let's move on uh, to a, another discussion. Uh, let's Marcus talk about Michael Brown. Thomas. We'll, we'll we'll get to that, but well, let's get to Michael Thomas because <laughs> you have you have Michael Thomas at wide receiver twenty two, mm-hmm. and I have him now. I have him. At, I think I actually have him at thirty one, um, wide receiver thirty one, and I don't even like I don't even feel great about having a wide receiver thirty one. Like I don't know yeah. what to expect from him. He has been out of the league basically for the last two years. It doesn't seem like he really wants to play football. I don't know. Maybe he does. Like the whole thing last year was super weird with how all that all that transpired. And it doesn't sound like he has a great relationship with anybody with the Saints organization. Um, you know, and not to mention, you know, as much as I love Jameis, like I don't know what he's going to look like this year. I mean, he's coming off a, a you know a pretty serious injury himself. Um, and so we'll have to wait and see how that's going to look. Sean Payton is gone. Uh, you know, so, you know, Dennis Allen is a fucking terrible coach. Uh, I, 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 at least for a head coach, I mean, he was, <laughs> I mean, he was awful. What was he, was he with the Raiders, I believe? I uh, mean, yeah. that was like, what, like a decade plus ago? I mean, I, I think the only reason they got – I don't even know why they brought him in. I, I mean, whatever. It's because he's the guy that was there and, you know, they knew him. Because um, he's but, done uh, really damn good stuff with the Saints defense. Well, there's a lot of coaches that are good defense, uh, you know, good coordinators but are terrible head coaches. We'll see on Dennis Allen. Maybe I'm wrong. I think I'm going to be right. But regardless <laughs> of, of that, you do. of course you do. Regardless <laughs> of that, like Michael Thomas, I don't see how you can have any sort of faith in Michael Thomas at this point of his career, at where he's at. Like he's not twenty three, twenty four. He's what damn near thirty. We haven't seen him in a couple of years. He's had all these surgeries and all the all these problems that have, that have, that have come about. And then they bring in Jarvis Landry, which is like, like, is that a red flag? Because it feels like a very redundant asset. Both I don't of, think it's a red uh, flag. Are, are a. Both of them are a slot wide receiver. Now, it doesn't mean that either one of them can't play on the outside and they only can play in the slot because, you know, Jarvis Landry can definitely play on the outside. It's probably more of an insurance policy, more depth for the offense. It wasn't it wasn't mm-hmm. expensive. So some of that I understand. But, like, with Michael Thomas, I just have no faith in him whatsoever. And to have him that high, I mean, I see people have him higher. I mean, people think that he could be a wide receiver one this year. And I'm like, no fucking way. No fucking way. Like, I, I just can't I, I just can't mess with them because where you're taking and where you're putting them is just too high. Like, yes, we can go back a couple years ago and talk about how great he was. So old slant boy, you know. But uh, I'm just saying, like, I, I don't know how this is going to shake out for him. And that's all he's really ever been is a guy that just runs slants, you know, for the most part. And, and so 
I don't know what Jameis is going to do. They Now that you have Chris Olave into the offense as well, Marquez Callaway is still there. Obviously, Alvin Kamara. So there's a little bit more juice there. There's more There's more depth in terms of wide receivers, Jarvis Landry. So I don't even think – like Michael Thomas has always been a guy who really has one off of volume. He's a guy that always would get 160, 170 targets every year. And, you know, that's what that, – that was the great thing about Michael Thomas. That's gone. Like, I, I don't think he's going to see that kind of that, – that, even if he's completely healthy when he comes into the year, he's not seeing that kind of volume. And if he's not, because he's not a guy that they really ever utilize as a deep threat, somebody down the field, they have those guys. You know, with Chris Olave, that's what they – you know, one of the – you know, obviously one of the reasons they brought him in. Um, you know, I believe Traquan Smith is still there. Maybe he's mm-hmm. a year 17 breakout. We'll see. We've been waiting for it forever. But, but uh, they also have Harris as well. And, and so, Patterson. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe it'll happen. But I just can't – I cannot rock with Michael Thomas. I feel like I should have even lower. Like, I feel nice. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Having him at wide receiver 31. And, like, I just, I ain't messing with him. There's so many wide receivers we can take, and I just don't see the path for a ceiling for him. So, Michael Thomas, it, it comes down to, at this point in the offseason, I'm not making assumptions about him being healthy. I'm not making assumptions about him being hurt. I think that we haven't gotten enough news either way. Just to, Like, yes, we've gotten news that, like, okay, maybe he's not 100%. But, I don't, like, we've seen some clips of him running and things like that. The ranking that I have him at right now is... I, I'll say it's on the shady, it's on the rosier side, more cup half full in the sense of he's healthy and this is the type of offense that he comes back to. Um, Jameis coming off the ACL, I mean, that's a concern. I mean, but Jameis is not somebody we're expecting to run and things like that. The offensive line, he's just going to sit back there and pepper guys with targets. I think the Saints are going to be a different offense than they were last year. Last year, they were like, we're going to play slow as shit. And we're going to run the ball and we're just going to play keep away because our offense is God awful um, because all we have is Alvin Kamara and nobody. And this year, I don't think the Jarvis Landry signing is Michael Thomas insurance. I think the Jarvis Landry signing is to pad this depth chart and the saints telling us to say, we really don't want Traquan Smith to be on the field. We really don't want Marquez Callaway to be on the field. If there are wide receiver four or five, Yay, that's great, but we sure as hell don't want them being our wide receiver two or three and being playing meaningful snaps on this team. So if you look at like, and and I know that the assumption that Michael Thomas walks into the season healthy and things like that, it's a big assumption. It's a big if. And the more news that we get throughout the offseason, I could see Michael Thomas falling in my rankings. I absolutely could see it falling. But the way that I project this offense right now and not knowing, like, is he going to be fully healthy when we get to training camp season or not? The way that I look at this offense right now, and it's assuming some health, but who's he competing with targets for? Alvin Kamara? Okay. Um, Who else is he competing with targets? Okay, a rookie in Chris Olave, as polished as we're going to talk about with Chris Olave. 
Chris Olave has not been talked about in any breath the entirety of the offseason as being a guy that we project to be a an alpha type of prospect. Everybody's projection for him as being like a, a solid wide receiver two. Maybe he could be a de facto number one, but that's probably not the role that you want him to be in at the at the next level. So is Michael Thomas going to walk into this offense in projecting if he is healthy? He's he's competing with Alvin Kamara for targets. I'm not worried about Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry hasn't been efficient since he went to freaking Cleveland. And I don't know that what we get out of Chris Olave is going to be that much different than other supporting receivers. I think he's going to be a good rookie, but can I peg him for an 18% target share? I mean, it's it's hard for a rookie coming into the NFL. As, as polished as we want to talk about him, so a lot of it is if we believe that Michael Thomas could even be healthy, if that's in his range of outcomes, and we look at the target competition in a Saints offense that I think is going to throw the ball more than they did last year, because good Lord, they have to. They're not going to be a top three rushing rate neutral script team this year. That They've never done that. Even under Drew Brees, regardless, even when Drew Brees has not been healthy, they never did that. They even, like, they would tear towards, like, middle of the pack. So I think that we're going to see a higher passing rate. And Michael Thomas, we have to go back, and I understand it's 2020. And yes, he wasn't great. He was wide receiver 41 in, in fantasy points per game. His target share was still incredibly up there. He was 24th amongst all uh, wide receivers of 50 more targets in yards per route run in that season. So the efficiency wasn't terrible. And we do know that he was banged up the last time that we saw him. So a lot of this is projection. A lot of this is glass half full on Michael Thomas being healthy. But at this point of the offseason, I'm not willing to, to I guess, start ringing the bells and whistles and, and the panic button about him being not healthy. We get closer to training camp. We get some, a few more, like, some more news about where he's at in his recovery. Because all we've really heard is, okay, well, maybe he's not at full health right now. And, yeah, it's concerning considering he missed all of last season because of injury. But I don't, I haven't gotten enough news at this point of the off season to just fully bury him if we get more news that sounds it's not great yeah he's gonna he's gonna drop like a damn stone in my ranks but right now i have him in a tier of other guys that are gonna be in okay to maybe above average offenses like i have him around deontay johnson i have him around terry mclaurin i have him around dk metcalf as guys that are gonna garner targets they're gonna be in eh, kind of offenses but the target volume is going to be there to where I think that at least as of right now he's going to be in that range for me because even guys behind him like I love Rashad Bateman I could easily craft a narrative to put Rashad Bateman over him Darno Mooney I could put over him Chris Godwin shit we don't know what's up with Chris Godwin's health because we've gotten the same type of narratives out of Chris Godwin's camp like he's not fully healthy we don't know if he starts on the freaking pup Amari Cooper, we just talked about Jerry Judy, Amari Cooper. Cleveland could pass more, absolutely could. But Amari Cooper's never been a guy that's garnered a massive target share, no matter where he's been. So even projecting him for a 20 to 22% target share might not be great if Cleveland says, well, you know what, we got Deshaun Watson, but we're still going to run the hell out of the ball. So a lot of it is a rosier outlook than maybe some for Michael Thomas, but 
I feel like I'm trying to split the middle between gloom and doom and the the faction of people that are like, oh, Michael Thomas is wide receiver one. So I think I'm trying to split the difference between the, the two parts of that equation. Cody, you have anything? I mean, not really. Like Debra is saying, it's just so hard right now because we don't know really know anything about his health. Right, like I, I think if if it comes out that he's healthy, I think Kev, we both have to move him up from where we have him because I'm I'm definitely closer to you than where. Uh... No, I won't. No, I. It, oh. I, don't, I, don't, I, I he's I, like, I, I was like, oh, not doing shit, it. Where, it's like, where do I have him? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. My can we get a still of that screen? Can we go get, can get a screenshot of Cody's like fear face? He was like, what do you, oh, <laughs> I think he was like, what the shit is Kev talking about? Like, I don't know how to process that. <laughs> I, that, that was, that was my, that was my Kev freeze right there. My, my, my malfunction. Oh, that was hilarious. I forgot about that. Whenever I like hydro lock, remember that? Oh God. <laughs> That was hilarious. <laughs> I forgot about that. But yeah. Oh you know, my like, god. I was never factoring an injury with him. Like, like it was that was never part of the equation for me. Uh, was was you know it, I. Do you I just think he's not this. not as good at earning targets this year because of the age? I, and I don't. Things th- like that. I, I don't think that he will be. And okay. Drew Brees is gone. Like there's so many different factors that, that aren't that are, that are gone now with him. And so like I I just I I'm not gonna feel comfortable having him that high. Like. Like, there's so many different things. Like I said, he's been out of football for a couple of years now. I don't even know if he wants to play football really anymore, to be honest, dude. Like, I, I don't know if he still wants to be traded. I, I There's so many things. And this is kind of how it sort of went with him last year. It was kind of like, oh, okay, you know, he, he he's getting a little bit healthier. He's getting the – and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it was, oh, now he needs surgery. He's out for the year. <laughs> 17, years, 17 weeks ago. Like, all these things that should have happened with him. So – you know, that, that's kind of where I stand with him. Uh, you know, and so I just don't feel comfortable with him. You know, other people are going to. That's fine. But – Anybody that I would ever talk to, I just wouldn't want them to draft him. There's so many other wide receivers that are going to have better ceiling than him. And I just can't see a scenario where he finishes a wide receiver one. I don't think he has that sort of path to targets uh, that, that, he, that he did in years past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for that, I, I, I just can't have him that high. So um, let's keep it moving because there is, there is uh, another scenario we have to talk about here. And that is with the Kansas City Chiefs. And we are dramatically different here. On these two guys, you're okay. gonna lead this off. You're gonna lead this off. I have. De- I I gotta hear why, why, I, why, I, I why. Have Smith Schuster at wide receiver 18. You have him at wide receiver 46. But then you have Sky Moore, who I love. Fucking Sky. I have loved Sky Moore well before the draft. Where do you have you know, Sky Moore ranked at? Since you're talking how much you love, I might get you to pull in, take, uh, turn in your Sky Moore card. Wide receiver 52 is where I have him. And listen, this is easy. This is there's nothing hard about this. Okay, okay. Sky Moore is not uh, Sky Moore is not going to get the opportunities year one that you that you're that, that you're factoring in for him. He's not Miko Hardman. How how do you think he's not going to get? They're going to throw the ball to Marquez Valdez Scantling's ass. Miko Hardman, come on to Juju Smith Schuster. That's who is okay. Okay, tell tell me. Tell me what metrics you hang your hat on to put Juju Smith-Schuster as a top 20 wide receiver, Kev. Because I really got to hear what numbers, and you're probably going to have to go all the way back to like 2018, 2019 to sit here and pull something good about Juju Smith-Schuster out of the hat. Come since on. 2000, since 2017, Juju Smith-Schuster mm-hmm. is fifth 
in receptions, fourth in receiving yards, second receiving touchdowns, and okay. first in yards after the catch since 2017 from mm-hmm. the slot. That is where he is going to play uh, a ton from. He is, gets a massive upgrade at quarterback. You can't get a better upgrade than what he got going from the, the bailing wire and sheet metal and duct tape held together for Big Ben <laughs> going up to Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. Tyreek Hill is gone from this offense, mm-hmm. right? And so there are over 250 mm-hmm. targets that are vacated from last year. Obviously, Demarcus Robinson is gone. Byron Pringle is gone. And obviously, Tyreek Hill is gone. Okay, so this mm-hmm. this 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 isn't that difficult here. You look at Juju Smith-Schuster. We've seen his ceiling. He has top ten wide receiver upside. We've seen it. Okay. Uh huh. Even even the year what was a couple of years ago, he still was a top fifteen wide receiver. Outside of last year, he when he was hurt, he got hurt after what week four or five. Okay, but past that, he has still been a good wide receiver. He's playing on a one-year mm. deal, okay? Mm-hmm. He's in the best offense. He's he's in the best fucking offense in the league with the best quarterback, with the best head coach, okay, with with a top-five offensive line. You are projecting to thinking that Sky Moore is going to step in and be the wide receiver one in this offense because that's the only way you can have it wide receiver 33 because Travis yep. Kelsey is still You're there, right. okay? Yep. Not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. He is still the alpha. He's still the security blanket. All of those things are 100%. Okay. However, Juju Schuster is going to be the wide receiver one in this offense. Sky Moore mm-hmm. is going to get opportunities, no doubt. Okay? But it's going to be much more in the Byron Pringle, DeMarcus Robinson type role. Oh, right? don't don't you put that do not do not put that Fitbit bullshit on Sky Moore. He is not gonna run routes and not get a damn target to save his life. Do not put that on Sky Moore. No. Yeah, Byron Pringle got a lot of targets. Byron Pringle also can't play the outside. Byron Pringle played fifty him and Tyreek Hill rotated the slot last year. Byron Pringle's right. not half as he can't even hold Sky Moore's jock strap, man. Come on. Of course. I'm not, I'm not, I am not, I'm not comparing the talent. It's not even close. It's not even an argument. Yeah, but, but not, if, if Byron Pringle can earn targets, tell me why Sky Moore can't. Because when it comes to this offense, right? Okay. Sky Moore is likely going to take some time to listen, he was great. Great at the FBS level. Great, mm-hmm. great, right? But mm-hmm. trusting him on the field with you know, with this offense, with Patrick Mahomes and everything else, is it, going to be another thing. I think you could be looking at more of a second, probably second half leap. But there is still a ton of there. There's still other options here, right? At that, I, I right now I view him as probably the wide receiver three. He is going to be competing for snaps with McCole Hardman. And yes, I I have not been a big McCall Hardman guy going all the way back to last year. I wasn't a big McCall Hardman guy. McCall Hardman is doo doo butter. He was going to break out. I was the one saying, "Not so fast, my friend." So bad. But he's still going to get opportunities. He's going to get targets. It happens every year. But this offense has really been pretty much condensed between the two, which is tar- which was Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Correct. Yeah, you're not wrong on that. I think Juju Smith-Schuster steps in and probably gets eighty percent of the opportunity, eighty percent of the targets that 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 Tyreek Hill commanded last year. That still leaves a a, a decent amount for Sky Moore, uh, because you're 
once you take that out, there's still, I think it's roughly like 120 targets that is still vacated, not counting uh, Tyreek Hill. And I'm not giving it all to, to Jesus Schuster. Jesus Schuster, I don't think he's going to get, I think, 155, 160 targets. I don't think that's going to happen. He's going to have to get a whole lot to be top 20 wide receiver, my friend. How he's going to have to get a needs? good bit. I mean, you top 20 wide receiver, he's going to have to get, I mean, what do you put him in? Like 120 targets? To put him top twenty, he's gonna have to get in that range. At oh, I, least. I, I, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think I, I would, I would project probably somewhere about one hundred and forty targets for him. Yeah, I would say he's probably, and, and I was probably a little, little, little bit light on that. He probably needs to be in the hundred and thirty, hundred and forty, unless him. they like, use him down. I, I'm saying downfield. all of this, but but you have him at wide, like wide receiver fifty, like 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 he's not even gonna be a factor in this offense, and I think that's a huge mistake. We have we have seen him be able to produce, right? We know that he is not necessarily great at being probably the alpha. I'm not 100% sold on that because, because again, he's operating with goddamn Big uh, Big Ben and a completely different system, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But I still think that we're still talking about a very young wide receiver in Juju Smith-Schuster. He's not old. He's, what, 25, right? Like, I, he's, he's a younger player. And this – well, no shit. Kelsey's the wide receiver one, Walido. Like, that, that's not the argument. No, 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 Nobody was arguing that. But – Mm-hmm. This offense, I think they're going to spread the ball around a little bit more than what they did last year. It, it's not going to be as so. Um, it's not going to just be like it kind of like it was last year with where mm-hmm. it was Tyreek and Kelsey. This offense is going to be better. It's going to be more well rounded because last year they had no depth past these guys. I love the Sky Moore signing for long or draft pick for long term. I think he is a slam dunk, and he could be a guy we're talking about as a top twelve wide receiver next year. Uh, in this offense with Patrick Mahomes because Juju Smith-Schuster is a free agent after this year. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is just Marquez Valdez-Scantling. McCole Hardman's a free agent after this year. He's not coming back unless it's some sort of team-friendly deal because I, I will say I have seen the Chiefs bring back guys like Demarcus Robinson every fucking year, and everyone's like, why do we keep bringing Demarcus Robinson back? He's a warm body Dieter? and he could run block. Have you heard of Garrett Dieter? Any two, any two, have you any idea who that is? Maybe maybe who? because of previous DFS, you might know who that is. Who? Yeah, Wake Forest, maybe. Yeah, like he he they they have brought this guy fucking back every goddamn year. Just he's <laughs> with every year because he is friends Albert with Patrick. Wilson. He lives on the on the, on the practice squad. Literally, I think he just brings them drinks and hypes them up. Like that, that's the, <laughs> this guy has been on the roster. I don't get what they do with some of these things. So it's possible McCall Hardman can be back next year, but. For this season, this season only, this is going to be Juju Smith-Schuster. This is a contract year. The contract year is undefeated. Has, uh, you know, just like old Therese Paler used to say, pour one out. Uh, but I, I just think Juju Smith-Schuster, you are underselling him dramatically. You are, you are looking at your recency bias is, is showing through. <laughs> no. With Juju Smith-Schuster. No. And you have to, like, like Ona said, let it go. Let it go. <laughs> Don't let it hold you back anymore. Oh, God. I got to stretch for okay. this because this is going to be fun. Okay. So, Juju, I have ranked as low as I have ranked because there are so many other wide receivers that I would rather have in fantasy that are not named the TikTok king, Juju Smith-Schuster. I would rather have Chris Olave's upside. You showed your bias with that, your little TikTok. What is that? that what? Is he's, the t- he's the king.
king of TikTok. Like, I'm not shading the man. He is. Congrats to him. But it's not helping him on a football field, no, is it? Okay? He's not end zone dancing. Not nearly as much as he should be because his efficiency is god awful. He's legit. He's the Evan Ingram of freaking wide receivers, Kev. And all the numbers bear that out. And you can't put all of that on Ben Roethlisberger. But before I get to Juju Smith-Schuster's terrible at efficiencies, there are wide receivers that I would much rather have than Juju. Like, I would rather take the shot on Michael Gallup starting the year healthy. Maybe I need to move him below Juju. The more... He's walking away! Come on! You ready? I listened to you sit here talk about how good Juju Smith-Schuster is. You got to hear this, Kev. You need you to hear it because I think your bias is showing, my friend. I would rather have and take the shot of like Alan Lazard, Russell Gage, if, if Chris Godwin starts out. Because we've seen Brady support multiple guys. Garrett Wilson, Hunter Renfro, all these other different guys over Juju Smith-Schuster. And I'm not going to give Smith-Schuster the freaking Patty Mahomes bump like everybody else and their damn mama is for a player that over the last... This is not even a small sample size, man. This is not even a small sample size. You look at the last four freaking years for Schuster, okay? His yards per route run have dropped every single season. 2.0, 1.49, which is bad. 1.49 is bad. You go to 2020, 1.39. Oh, shit, he got worse. And wait a minute. Let's get to the, the true icing on the cake. And you want to talk about, okay, maybe he was hurt and all this. He didn't even crest 1.0 yards per route run last season. And for everybody that wants to come at me and tell me, because I've heard it, I've heard it all so far. For everybody that wants to come tell me that Ben Roethlisberger is the reason, Deontay Johnson says, hold my damn beer. He has been perfectly productive with Ben Roethlisberger's shit-ass throwing him the ball. Juju Smith-Schuster has been bad and it's not a one-year sample size it's multiple seasons and even if you don't want to go with yards per route running you want to say okay maybe it was been okay his eight dot dropped as well his yards after catch per reception have dropped every single season he's been in the league his rookie year 6.5 5.9 5.7 and he's crested out at the very bottom end of terrible at 4.1 the last two seasons so as much as we want to lovely just stack and pile this on ben roethlisberger it's not on all of it on ben roethlisberger smith schuster has been a horribly horribly inefficient player over the last four seasons and it's only gotten worse so as young as he's he is he's 25 and that's what everybody wants to hang their damn hat on okay he's 25 i don't give a shit if he's 25 he could be 23 and still be terrible it doesn't matter he's been horribly inefficient for a long enough stretch that patty mahomes can't even save this if targets are earned because you get open and you're productive what in his totality of the last four seasons has shown us that he can get open and do anything with the ball to believe that he could be a top 20 wide receiver, Kev? 
I just, I, I don't see that at all. And I think that Sky Moore, and I don't even have him ranked crazy. He's a wide receiver three. If we want to give Patrick Mahomes bump to somebody, let's give it to somebody who's actually damn talented and can earn targets. Who's a running back of the damn open field. Who led all of FBS in missed tackles forced amongst wide receivers. Who balled out and, and like, if you go check Matt Harmon's reception perception, there is not a category versus press versus man versus zone that Sky Moore didn't ball the hell out last year versus if there is a wide receiver that I think that can hit the ground running and one of the league's best offenses, it's Sky Moore. And I'm just going to, I'm going to close this by saying it's okay that we like good players and good offenses. That's fine. We can buy into some hype sometimes. We don't have to shade every rookie and say, because remember last year, I was there. We're all old enough to remember it. Jamar Chase couldn't catch a damn football. I feel like that's where we're at. We're just trying to push against the hype. We're trying to push against, oh, he landed in Kansas City. It's not just that he landed in Kansas City. It's that Sky Moore is a damn baller. I'm done. I'm done. You don't have to sell Sky Moore to me. Like, I love Sky Moore. Like, it has nothing to do with Sky Moore. Like, okay. it's not that I don't like Sky Moore. And I think it's, it is it is possible that he could end up being the wide receiver, too. And that's why I said I think we could be looking at a second-half breakout for him. I don't okay. know uh, right out the gate if he's going to be the guy that, that they, they give that all that opportunity to in, in this offense. Um, and so, you know, we'll see. I, I like I said I like Sky Moore. If he if he gets up to wide receiver thirty three of where he's coming off the board in terms of ADP, I will be out on that dog. Uh, but if you can get him, <laughs> you know, as your wide receiver five, I, I am perfectly okay with that. If you can get him in the yeah. tenth round of your draft, cool. With that. I think he's like, sitting like, somewhere in the forties right now for ADP. I'd have to go check like underdog and some things, but I think he's somewhere I, I, in the forties. I, I would assume that's probably where he, where he'll end up. But yeah. there, there's still enough targets here that I just don't think that he's going to see that kind of target share year one. But I do think Juju Smith-Schuster can and will, uh, and, and so that—that's just you know. I I, I just it, see it, nothing in his profile. That I've heard from the 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 people that I listen to around here. Obviously, I am from Kansas City, and everything I hear from is that don't be surprised if Sky Moore doesn't get as much opportunity as people think that he's going to, and that Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be the guy. And and so. A lot of the stuff that I you – know, there's there's only a handful of people – a couple of people that I really trust. I don't listen to the radio guys because like, the guys are fucking – Oh, yeah, on. you can't listen to that. But there are a few guys that, that, that really uh, have connections and inside with us. Obviously, we have a long ways to go. We still have to get through training camp and everything else. People are people are worried about OTA news and all that stuff right now. Like I don't care about any of that. But if, so, if some things change and he continues and he really balls out and works way up, because Andy Reid isn't necessarily a guy that usually will will just automatically you know uh, plug in a rookie right out the gate. He's somebody that has to earn it, you know, and all and all this stuff and you know earn his stripes, all that stuff. So I just don't think Sky Moore right out the gate is going to see a ton of opportunities. As, or as much as, as we may think he is. But I do think, like I said, I think it's very possible he could be a late breakout guy. And maybe somebody that, that people drop because he doesn't produce early on. Um, and and I, I think that's definitely possible. And so that's why, that's why I have him where I have. That's why I have. Maybe I'm too aggressive on Juju, but I think that he does see uh, roughly around 140 targets this year. I think it's well in the range of possibilities for him. Um, I think uh, you're looking at probably more of a, a mixture of for Marcus Valdez scaling. He's just going to be more of a deep threat guy, uh, somebody that they use out there. They do. I think I think MBS is going to be the new Demarcus Robinson. He's going to be fit bitten. 
for for days. Um, uh, some I, th- I mean, I think he's more explosive. I think he's a better wide receiver uh, overall than, than what Demarcus yeah. Robinson. Is. I just question but, his yeah. ability to like earn targets. Right, right, and he's not. I think he's he. You know, best ball. If you want to take a shot at him late, he's tied to Patrick. I'm sure. Go ahead, but yeah. you know. Other than that, like that—that's where I stand with these guys. And so I was surprised when I saw Sky Moore that high. I listen again. Love fucking Sky Moore. This is not a negative Sky Moore. Everything you said. I already Do you think he's going to be in the starting three wide receivers? I don't. To I, begin, I, I, I don't. you think they're really going to play McCall Hardman whenever they bench McCall Hardman for freaking Byron Pringle? Like Pringle played over McCall Hardman handedly the entire season. Like, one, do you think that Hardman's going to play over Sky Moore week one? So here are some factors here that you have to take into account. One, I know Sky Moore showed the ability to be able to do it, but again, it's the F- FBS level. You have to be able to block to be a, to be a Chiefs wide receiver. They ask these guys. That was a lot of like what Demarcus Robinson's main role was. That's all he did to be able to block, right? And it's kind of the, they kind of did the same thing with Josh Gordon. Like that, that's what they asked him to do. And, and, and so, like for me, like he has to be able to do that. If he doesn't, it, he is going to be get McCole Hardman uh, year one because he has to be able to do that. And so, but what we're starting to hear, which is, uh, you know, uh, I see people in the chat like Robbie might enjoy this, that uh, there's been a lot of hype around Justin Ross around here. A lot of hype around Justin Ross. Um, I still think that I, Justin I, Ross yeah. is going to get put on the, the injured reserve. It's what the Chiefs kind of do with these guys. They hold on to him for a year. They're going to hold him on the practice squad. I don't think he starts the year on the freaking I don't think roster. he goes to the practice squad because I think they'd be too afraid. Because what they could do is they could say he got an injury. They do it with these guys all the time. These guys, they really Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, but I'm with and, you. And I don't they, think he's going to be on the active roster. That, got, that's what I think. And they'll put him on IR and they'll put him on ice to be able to give him another year. But there has been a ton of hype about Justin Ross uh, here. Uh, even during their OTAs, everybody's been hyping him up. He made a couple one-handed grabs and stuff like that. You know, and so, like, but there, there's also, I mean, Josh Gordon could still make this team. And Josh Gordon fits a little bit more in what, what you could probably ask for them, of, like I said, what they want him to do and, and to be able to block and everything else. And so those are all things that I think they're going to get factored in here where I could see McCole Hardman and Sky Moore kind of uh, cannibalizing each other a little bit in terms of opportunities. I, I just think Sky Moore is going to start in three wide receiver sets. I think that he is going to be in three wide receiver sets from the jump. Um, I, I hope they I do. Mean, like Again, like I was thrilled when they took Sky Moore. I'm like, let's yeah. – go like oh I yeah love dude. Moore. i was hoping they would take him in the first round if they didn't trade up to get jameson williams like i was thrilled yeah. for them to get sky Moore. but like i but i'm also just trying to be a little bit more realistic with, with, with him as well you know and like just having him at wide receiver 33 is a little aggressive now maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm fucking wrong and i hope i am uh, that that you know he he kills it in training camp and, and preseason and we hear all this and he gets locked in and maybe that is the number two wide receiver it, it's possible uh, they kind of rotate uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and Sky Moore in, in and out of the slot, kind of move these guys around somewhat similar to what they did last year with Tyreek and everything, right? But I, I just feel like for year one, he he is probably not going to get as many opportunities as we hope. So, Ted, you, you know, and, and I know you could probably answer this question a lot better than me having to look back through this. When was the last time we saw Andy Reid have a wide receiver a rookie wide receiver and i know i'm not i don't give two shits about mccall harbin he wasn't half the prospect that sky Moore is he just ran fast when was the last time we saw andy reed with a top like a uh, rookie wide receiver that was selected in the top two rounds of the nfl draft 
Was it like? Well, was it like? Jeremy I, well, am I, like, am I going back to Macklin? Is that is that right? Like, I'm not sure. I can't remember which one was drafted first, but it, I, I would it'd be one of those. Macklin, or what was the other name that you had? Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's about half. Chiefs it hasn't have, been in Kansas City. No, the, the Chiefs haven't no. at all. Chiefs haven't invested yeah. at all. No, they haven't invested in the wide receiver, and that's that's another thing I kind of come back to. It's like. They invested in McCall Harbin, and but they didn't. What was he? A third or fourth round pick? He wasn't. A, he wasn't a second round guy, was he? Yeah, he was I'm, second. Yes, I know he was because they took him ahead of DK fucking Metcalf. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! I <sighs> and the the one where they took Ceh both of them when they, they they took those picks. I'm like, fuck. The Chiefs could have taken any other running back not named Clyde Edwards-Helaire, and they would have been a great pick. But they took well, not it wouldn't because I hate taking a uh, wide receiver in the first or running back in the first round. But regardless, like it, we wouldn't be talking about it as a huge bust. But they took the one guy that ends up being in the big bust. I just think so like, real, go ahead, go ahead, Cody. No, I was just gonna say real quick. Cal uh, K rocking with us in the chat. And speaking of Ceh, he did want to know real quick, Kev, what uh, Kansas City running back you rock with this year? The cheaper or, one. I don't like. They do not like Clyde Edwards-Helaire. Um, it, it has shown more and more. They do not trust him at all on third down at all. He 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 is terrible at uh, at, at pass pro, and it's something that, that you that you know you have to be able to do when you have Patrick Mahomes back there. And so that's why we've seen Derek Gore and Daryl Williams and all these guys get all these opportunities over him, and people have come uh, and gotten so angry. They do. That's why I was calling before the year even started. Like that that I thought this clutters. I mean, could could be done and it doesn't surprise that they brought in ronald jones uh again ronald jones isn't a pass catcher but i also think there's a guy named isaiah pacheco who they brought in the seventh round and um i think he could be kind of the jarek mckinnon type the, the way they utilized jarek mckinnon last year i kind of view him in the same way similar um but if i was going to pick one i mean obviously in redraft you're not you don't need to take isaiah pacheco but it's somebody you should definitely have on your radar uh, Derek Gore is still there as well. They brought him back, but I think the guy I would go with would probably be Ronald Jones because he's going to be cheaper. Um, you know, if you could get Ronald Jones tenth, eleventh round, I think that'd be fine. Uh, but I'm not rocking with Ceh this year. Like, I want to I want to weigh in on that as well. But the other thing I want to bring up here too is that uh, like, I get it. I get it with Ceh that that like he was hurt <laughs> last year. You say some things happen, but everything that I hear from around here is they do not much care for Clyde Rosilaire. Um, obviously, he's still a rookie, uh, not a rookie, but he's still under his rookie contract, so there's really no reason to get rid of him. But I, there's definitely a reason they brought in Ronald Jones. Uh, there's a reason why we've seen guys like Damian Williams and Daryl Williams uh, to be able to get opportunities here in this backfield and then be more common, especially down the stretch into the playoffs every year that they, 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 they tend to ease back on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Now, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was coming off an injury last year uh, into the playoffs, so that had something to do with it. But if I'm going to take one of them, it, this is like a Patriot situation where I'm going to give me the cheaper one because I have no faith in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire whatsoever. He is more one-dimensional. We, I mean, I remember all last year we kept talking about it with, with, with CH, like, why are they not utilizing him as a pass catcher? Then all of a sudden, Daryl Williams comes in and gets all this pass catching work. Why are they not using Clyde Rosilaire as a pass catcher? Why? And they, they, they just wouldn't do it. Why? Because like I said, because he cannot pass protect. And if you cannot do that, you are going to find yourself not on the field very often. And so that's the problem 
with him. He's not that creative as a runner. He does. He has very poor vision. Uh, there, there's a lot of problems with him, and that is why we have not seen him, you know, kind of get the opportunities. Now, if he continues to fall, and he were to fall, probably like I don't know, sixth, seventh round or something like that. I think you could take a shot on him if you want to take a shot. I mean, he's still a Chiefs uh, running back. You know, he could get more a little bit more on goal line opportunities. But again, we've seen him uh, them go away from him on the goal line as well and give Daryl Williams opportunities. So that's why I think everything's kind of lining up. Like if you're going to take a running back that doesn't have a high uh, high pass catching upside like Ronald Jones, go with Ronald Jones. Go with the cheaper guy and not Clyde Edwards-Helaire. So to go back all the way to Andy Reid with uh, rookie Deshaun Jackson and rookie Jeremy Macklin. Macklin finishes the wide receiver 26 in fantasy points per game in his rookie year. Deshaun Jackson finishes the wide receiver 37. Deshaun Jackson had 120 targets. Macklin had above 90. I want to say off the top of my head when I looked at it, it was 91. So I think they're going to play the rookie just to throw that out there. But um, on the on the running backs, because I, I want to lean into that too. I know, uh, Kevin, I... I I don't really, I don't disagree with anything you said, man. Like, I, I think you take the cheaper option. I do want a little bit of a CEH exposure in the sense that the moves that they made this offseason, they're, they're, they're curious in the sense of they didn't bring Darrell Williams back. They didn't bring Jarek McKinnon back. It's two guys they trusted in the playoffs to play a lot of snaps. So the only person that you bring in, this screams to me, it's, it's, it's a faith it's either one of two things. They're either not going to ask their their running backs to catch a lot of passes. We haven't seen a lot of that. I think Mahomes is going to run more this year um, because we've seen that in playoff Patty. I think we're going to see that in regular season now. So maybe we just don't see a lot of check down opportunities and it's going to be a lot of Ronald Jones and they just don't throw to the running backs. The running back check downs go to Sky Moore. Um, but anyway, um, but I think that this comes down to it's either – it's, it signals like it's either going to be Ronald Jones and they just don't throw to the running backs or I like, I see a crazy scenario and I know Kev, you're, you're near Kansas city. You're more plugged into Kansas city, but the other thing about not bringing Darrell Williams back and not bringing Jarek McKinnon back, like there's gotta be like some type of scenario where this is a faith thing as, as well. Like there's throwing into, okay. We have faith in the running backs that we have back here. Well, all they freaking have is Clyde edwards Lair, Ronald Jones, and Derek Gore. So who's the belief that, is, that they believe can be the guy or can get the damn job done? I'm going to take some shots on CEH, considering that, like, last year, we he dealt with the injuries. We did not – we nobody knew that he had gallbladder surgery in the freaking offseason, lost weight, wasn't able to train, wasn't able to do a damn thing leading up to the season. Like, it's so funny, all these things that we get after the season. It's like, oh, hey, this guy played with, like, a torn-up knee the entire season. Oh, hey, this guy played on one leg, one arm the entire season. Not being able to train for the entirety of an offseason is a huge thing. Not being able to, to eat and prepare for an NFL season is a big thing. So I'm going to take some shots on CEH where he goes in drafts because he's never going to go high. The, he's just not. I don't hate it. People take him Ronald Jones, but if we're going to go for the cheapest option, damn it, man, I'm going to have so much Derek Gore. It's going to be ridiculous this year because he's going to be free. He is free. He's going to continue to be free. You can pick him up in every damn format that you want. You can go pick him up at dynasty. You can get your best ball exposures late. Derek Gore has produced whenever he has been on the field. 
You look at his yards after contact per attempt, and he has been fantastic. And this is not even just like, okay, small sample size of last year whenever he got a run. You go back to preseasons, like, he's his yards after contact per attempt have held up. And people are like, oh, he's not athletic and shit like that. I don't care. Like, at a certain point, we need to throw some of that shit out the window whenever it's like, okay, I've seen you do these things at the NFL level. Do you hear anybody talking about Keenan Allen and him being slow anymore? No, because he proved that he's a damn baller. Do we hear anybody talking about all these other guys and their testing metrics after they get to the NFL and they show that they can play? Derek Gore, every time he has gotten opportunities in the preseason and the regular season, he has played really well. And so that, honestly, out of all my exposures in this offseason and best ball and everything, I'm going to have a shit ton of Derek Gore. You know, it's funny with Derek Gore and Clyde Rizzi-Lair, if you look up the red zone and goal line touches, Clyde Rizzi-Lair had 16 red zone touches and two goal line carries. Derek Gore had 10 red zone touches and two goal line carries. <laughs> Dude, I think, I think if we're talking about, like, the random-ass player that, like, comes out of nowhere and everybody's like, holy crap, why didn't we see this coming? I'm Look, I'm not trying to, like, be hot takey and all that kind of shit, man, but I think Derek Gore could be the guy that we see come out of this backfield. Well, yeah, I mean, you're 100% right about everything that he's done in the preseason. Like, he's been, like, the preseason hype monster. And, like, uh, you know, the people have talked about, and it's always flashed. And mm-hmm. I think that's why Daryl Williams is gone, is because of Derek Gore. And, yeah, um, I Derek Gore is fully agree. Yes, fully and agree. he can do everything that Daryl Williams can do. And so there was no reason to bring him back. And so that is why I think you see Derek Gore that is probably brought back. So, yeah, I think that is a, a – if you're playing in like a deeper league, 14, 16 team league or something like that, I'd be taking some shots on some Derek Gore. And I, I would pick up Derek Gore in every – dude, I picked him up in every dynasty league I'm in because he's free. He's out there on the waiver wire. You put a $1 bid and you get him every damn time. And best ball, he doesn't even really have a freaking ADP. Like he is there at the end of every single draft. Yeah. Okay. Is there anybody else we want to talk about, or do we want to hit up the last two questions? No, nah, man. Look, I, I, I'm just here. Look, you drive and I ride. That's how this right, goes. You this. call me an let's idiot in the process. We're, we're, we're already at an hour and forty, and so if we if we get through the rest of guys, they can, they can take a while. Okay, so let, 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 let's jump to the last two questions. So we kind of wrap this up a little bit. Uh, let's do this. Uh, just name a couple, a few sleepers that you're kind of looking at. I know it's still early, but a few sleepers that you're looking at. Doesn't really matter the position uh, for 2022. Um, well, I brought up Derek Gore. Um, I am going to have a ton of David Njoku, and I don't understand why everybody have him has him ranked as, like, tight end 20. Like, he fits all the freaking models and things that we look for in a breakout tight end. Okay, you want somebody that's athletic and tests off the damn charts, that when they get the ball, they show that they can produce and produce big plays. Okay, check and check. Last year, he proved that he could be efficient. He was top 12 in yards per route run. He was top 12 in yards after catch per reception. And now we have an offense that people need to pump the damn brakes on David Bell. Like, I I get everybody loves David Bell. I am not a David Bell guy. His yards per route run were not fantastic. He didn't test well. All these things outside of missed tackles forced show up when you look at his deeper analytics. 
David Njoku could be the number two option in this passing attack. And if we're talking about Amari Cooper, who has never been a guy that's gotten a 25-27% target share, dude, I love David Njoku this year. I'm going to have a crap ton of him. Talked about Derek Gore. Um, a few other guys I'll take shots on um, that are sleeper guys. Um I'm probably higher than consensus on Chase Claypool in the sense that I think that he could play the power slot option and for Pittsburgh this year and be a mismatch. Uh, if you look at how Deontay, any of these other guys have done when they've been put in the slot, uh, they've been very unimpressive. Deontay Johnson's yards per route run in the slot have been bad, like the sub one. Chase Claypool was actually quietly good when he's been put in the slot. He played the slot the most whenever Juju was out last year. I think that he's a guy I'm going to have a ton of exposure on um, at, because people are out on him. They are massively out on Chase Claypool, and a lot of it's George Pickens. And I mean, pff, good luck. I, I'm I'm much much lower on George Pickens than most people. Um, I'll go to a nasty offense. Um, if it's not going to be Kadarius Tony that breaks out. If he gets dealt or deals with injuries or any other kind of crap, um, I I have been scooping up Wondell Robinson and a lot of dynasty drafts because he goes way too damn late, and I'm gonna have best ball exposure because we've got some dude, somebody's got to catch the goddamn ball for the Giants. You have Ricky Seals Jones, we got Daniel Bellinger, we got the ghost of Kenny Galladay, you got Darius Slayton, T- Staring Shepard coming off an Achilles. And Kadarius Tony, and then we got Wandell. Wandell checks a lot of different boxes. I know he's tiny, but I don't think this is a team. This is not Arizona Cardinals, so we need to sit here and push a little bit of our our, our Tutu Atwell talk and a Rondell Moore talk and things like that. I don't think Brian Dable drafts him in the second round to just park his ass on the bench. I think he's going to work out of the slot. I think they're going to have Kadarius Tony. Maybe they tandem the guys and they work like fifty percent both inside and outside. If Kadarius Tony gets dealt um i think wando robinson could be a guy that like could garner a lot of volume this year in a really like what everybody talks about as being a disgusting offense this team has got some pretty cake matchups especially in the middle part of the season and the, the past defenses that they face if they don't get any better than they were last year um i'm gonna have a good bit of wando robinson cody not necessarily a sleeper at all, but someone who I think is not being properly ranked. And Debro, you talked, to, uh, you mentioned his name in passing earlier, but uh, Rashad Bateman, I just think he's not being properly ranked at, at this point. Again, not not a sleeper. Yep. Everyone knows who he is, but the the clear, unquestioned number one wide receiver obviously has Mark Andrews to deal with. I think they do scale back from their past attempts where they were headed last year, um, but I don't think he's properly being ranked. And then speaking of some rookies, Keontae. Cody, where do you have Bateman ranked before you get into the next guy? Like 22? Okay. Nah, we're, we're, we're hand-holding. I got him at 23. I just wanted to hear the good love about Rashad Bateman. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, and I, I, think on, I think on your site's consensus rankings, he's like like closer to 32. I, I just saw Yeah, he's, he's, he's in wide receiver three territory. I don't agree with it either. I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. Uh, and then just the, the last guy I touched on real quick, you, you guys are I, Kevin, I know you're all about James Conner this year as well, but uh, Keontae Ingram, I think is the, the one like rookie, the one like late 
rookie running back that people aren't talking about enough, like Damian Pierce, Tyler Algier. They get talked about because of the depth charts they're on. But no one really seems to be mentioning Keontae Ingram. I mean, six foot, 220 pounds, 80th percentile speed score. Um, Debro, you mentioned the, the the 20 reception kind of threshold a lot of people throw around for, for college players, but he did have that in three Every of his four year? years. Three, three of his four, yep. I, like, pretty big recruit, and obviously once you get to the NFL, it's not like that really matters anymore, but he does have some pedigree. He got pushed out by what a lot of people are talking about as a generational running back and Bijan Robinson, who we're going to get to see next year. But the only thing in his way is James Conner, and James Conner is 27, 28 years old, hasn't played hasn't played a, a full season in his entire NFL career. So, And you, you mentioned Eno Benjamin and the, the jag that is Darrell Williams as well. So that's he could be looking at a lead role or at least a you know a, a 65 35 kind of kind of touch split if James Conner were to go down. So Keontae Ingram is a guy who I think a lot of people should be paying attention to late in their drafts. Yeah, I mean, I will say, well, we'll see hopefully, uh, what because Daryl Williams got signed there, right? He, he they brought mm-hmm. him in, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah, but anyways. So uh, I think for me, I, I think some non—I mean, some more obvious names would be like Rashad White. I think he's somebody that people should definitely have, uh, you know, be paying attention to, you know, because if anything were to happen with Leonard Fournette, I mean, he steps right in and probably is the lead back here in this offense. And you know, it's funny because a lot of people did compare him to David Johnson, and now you know the, he, the situation that he's in. But Tyler Algier, Damian Pierce, all those guys are kind of the obvious ones you're going to hear a, a lot of people talk about uh, with some of these guys just because of the opportunity that lays before them. But I do think somebody like Cleo Herbert is not somebody that people talk enough about. I mean, he was very, very productive last year whenever David Montgomery went down. And, you know, kind of like you mentioned, Terry Cohen went down. Again, you know, it sucks for him. You know, he said they're trying to get work his way back. He is done for the year uh, once again. But, you know, I, I think Cleo Herbert is somebody that people should be keeping a very close eye on because, you know, we saw <clears> last year, you know, once David Montgomery went down, like that, was, he was a very productive running back. And really, kind of proved him uh, proved himself. So I love getting, I love taking Cleo Herbert at the end of every draft, whenever I can. Um, uh, I also think uh, Kenneth Gainwell could be an interesting guy. Maybe he gets a little bit more opportunities than what we think he does. You know, that, to this point, they really haven't changed that backfield. It's still Miles Sanders who is being undervalued. Uh, but uh, you know, the other guys that are still there, Boston Scott, and then you know Kenneth Gainwell, and I think it's possible that he could be more involved as a pass catcher. Uh, than what even what he was last year. He saw a pretty decent amount of targets last year for the limited role that he had. Um, but I also think somebody, uh, a wide receiver, Donovan Peoples-Jones, is not getting any love or respect, and I think he should. It's all about David Bell and the, the hot new rookie. But, I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones is a pretty exciting athlete in his own right. You know, has a 100th percentile burst score and a 87th percentile speed score. Kind of flashed last year with fucking terrible Baker Mayfield. And so I definitely think it's possible he is the, you know, the number two wide receiver in this offense with Deshaun Watson. And so I do like Donovan Peoples-Jones is kind of taking a shot at him late. He's pretty much free in most drafts. I think his ADP is like 183.2 or something like that. So I do like Donovan Peoples-Jones and then Joshua Palmer. I'm going to be uh, talking about him all offseason. I think he's the number three wide receiver. They did nothing <clears throat> 
LA to upgrade that room. I thought they was definitely going to be bringing in a wide receiver, you know, at some at some way somehow. Because listen, I mean, Mike Williams has dealt with injuries in his career. Keenan, Keenan Allen is not getting any younger. He's somebody that dealt with injuries earlier in his career, but obviously he's been able to stay healthy. But he is getting older. One thing happens either one of those, and we're talking about wheels motherfucking up for Josh Palmer. And so and he, I think three of the last five weeks last year at double digit fantasy points. And so I like Josh Palmer a lot. I, I'm going to try to come away with every single draft, taking Josh Palmer and taking a shot on him. Um, I, I want to give one more name uh, and kind of give the other side of the coin for Chicago. You talked about Khalil Herbert and I, and I don't, this is not me throwing shade at Khalil Herbert. He played extremely damn well. I'm not going to take anything away from him, but with a new regime that did not draft Herbert, um, I will be having some shots uh, in best ball particularly on Darrington Evans. And yes, I'm a truther. I, I, I get that. I, I Look, I, I understand that. The, the thing about Darrington Evans, he has not been healthy to show what he can do at the NFL level. But he checks so many freaking boxes. He is a really damn good zone runner. He, uh, we've heard that Chicago wants to transition to more outside zone. I think it's a perfect, perfect fit for what Darrington Evans does. I won't be surprised if they walk out of training camp and Darrington Evans is flashing and he maybe gets the number two running back role behind David Montgomery, um, or if he goes down or if he get a pass game role. So this is not me throwing shade at Khalil Herbert. He was awesome last year, but if we're playing range of outcomes, and considering what type of run game scheme that the Bears are moving to, I think Darrington Evans it could fit that hand in glove. He's a guy that when he came out, I comped him to Raheem Mostert, uh, both in his speed, his size, his agility, all these different things. We just haven't seen him do it at the NFL level, not because he's not freaking talented, but because he's been hurt. So if he can buck that trend, I'm going to take some shots on Darrington Evans too. Uh, and last but not least, uh, anybody who thinks uh, Tyrion Davis-Price is a good pick is fucking uh, stupid. So um, <laughs> <laughs> We should have sat here and talked about him on this show. No, no I, 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 saw, I, saw, I saw your tweet earlier, so that's why I was my reference. Uh, with, with him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that earlier. I thought it was funny. I had to bring it up, throw one more dig in there. Okay, so... We can talk about him another time. Uh, yeah, honestly, well, let's save that for uh, another show. <laughs> yeah, because we because we, uh, we're about to know, hit two hours. Have, we can't go past that. I have things I, I have things that I could say, but we'll save that for another show. <laughs> uh, last but not least, one bold prediction for twenty twenty two. What's your one bold prediction, and then we'll we'll sign out. Uh, Jalen Hurts finishes as the QB one overall in fantasy. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, he goes full Lamar Jackson. Cody? I don't know how high to go here. Come on, man. Take your pants off. Get, get it going. Get it going. Bold. Don't get me with that Alan, damn Alan, sauce. Alan, Ro- Alan Robinson finishes as a wide receiver as in as a wide receiver one. I don't know how okay. bold that is. I think it's bold. I don't see it happening. Okay. Well, I got one too. Saquon Barkley finishes as a, as a top three running back in 2022. Hey, I love it. Love it. I think he's going to come show some people. That's why I have him at RB11. I think he's going to show some people some stuff this year. Yeah, I think people are too. I mean, again, we can get into that. But people yeah. are uh, just completely discounting or writing him off because of you know him coming off an injury and everything else. And yeah. there's, there's there's a few guys you could look, take a look at that uh, 
that you know tore their ACL and it took them you know year two was was so much better and you know you, they started to look more like their original selves. So there's a lot to like here with the Giants. I think their offensive line is going to be tremendously uh, way better, and which is a big problem. That's a Cortland Sutton tweet. <clears throat> oh, there you go. <laughs> Since we're talking about second year for ACLs, just saying. Yeah, yeah, same thing. So, anyways, hour and fifty three minutes. D bro didn't even get to everybody. <laughs> I know oh, we had shit. we had to cut a few guys. The man off. made a show sheet and we didn't even get to everybody. I I know the how long how, how you know listen anytime Deep Rose on I know this is gonna go long and so that's why I was like you know what we can make it to everybody. You know uh, we'll see what we can do. I will I will say that I, I did see a couple comments in here. Uh, Darno or Darno Mooney or I suspect I thought it's supposed to be Darnell. He said Daryl or Brandon Cooks at top fifty wide receiver. I have Darnell Mooney as as ranked as a top twelve wide receiver already. So I think both of them could be there if we want to sit yeah, here and sure. I mean I, I, I think top, both of them. Darnell Mooney to this year's Deontay Johnson. Like I, I yeah. think I think it's very don't hate it at all. I, I think he is a top twelve wide receiver this year for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Tiger there, everything's going to be there. It's a, it's going to be a better offense, a slightly better offense anyway. But you know, Matt Nagy's gone. Ding dong, the dumbass is dead. Thank God uh, that he's finally gone. Justin Fields is going to play better than people are giving him credit. Just yeah, people act like Justin Fields is completely dead, and so I do like that. But I, I definitely love Darnell Mooney, um, you know, this year and Michael Pittman. That was the other thing they said. It is. I think we're all in agreement. I think everybody here, we're all together. Uh, that Michael Pittman season is here. Uh, I Pittman, love Pittman. Pittman's gonna ball the fuck out, dude. He's he's gonna be he's gonna top ten. Damn right. So that, that was you know something. But uh, I have met nine. I think you have met eleven. Yep. Cody, I think you have met ten or eleven too. Yep. Yeah. So we we all are, love Michael Pittman around here. You'll hear a ton of Michael Pittman. And then I think the Texans are um, are the Texans. Uh, Brandon Cooks. He is who he is. Uh, he's not like a flashy guy. He's not a sexy name. Um, but he is going to be consistent. He's going to be a guy for the most part could probably give you, you know, probably 13 to seven or 16 fantasy points per game, somewhere right around there. Um, you know, he's going to be the, really kind of the only guy in town that, that, that's going to command a heavy target share. But we'll see how much, how big of a target share. You know, if uh, Davis Mills can continue to play like he did last year, I think uh, Brandon Cooks could be an interesting name. So. The, Dude, if know, he hits I, that 16 mark over the last four seasons, the wide receiver 12 has averaged 16.1 fantasy points per game. He hits the 16 mark, he's gonna be, he's gonna be a wide receiver one. Yeah, I, I think it's in the range of possibilities for him. So, yep. um, yeah, listen, it's it's not even well, we're almost to June. We're almost to June. We got a lot more stuff to talk about, but I wanted to come on here, have a great conversation. It was achieved. I pretty much won every debate. We will write these down. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see who was right, who was wrong here. It's Javante Williams' season. But I appreciate everybody rocking with us as always. Be sure to hit that like subscribe button if you are new here. We got a lot of content. Or, like the link says, uh, if you want to join our fantasy football Discord community, absolutely free. Uh, you can jump in there, and uh, you know we will talk to you in there as well. So we will catch you on the next one. Have a great World Day weekend. Turn all of the lights on over every boy and every girl. Closing time. One last call for alcohol. So finish your whiskey or beer. Closing time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I know.
Some other beginnings end.